Good evening and welcome to Black Cash Podcast. Yes, this is Shane. I just am fighting a cold, so my voice is all screwed up. Um, and Matt tonight. Yep. Um, and our special guest, Laurel Scott. Hi. How are you? Welcome I'm good. Back. Welcome Thank back. you. Thank you for coming back. Three weeks we had you on ago. Yeah, before the election. Yep. And so people don't know you ran for... Uh, Village trustee, yes. village council trustee, and it didn't work out. No, I came in dead last. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody knew who you guys were. Yeah, yeah. Well, people know they they knew my boyfriend's last name. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah. his family's been here forever. Yeah. We certainly knocked on enough doors, and Matt did pretty well. My boyfriend Matt mm-hmm. Canablo, yep. um, he came in second for a village council president. Yep. And. It's a it's a small number of votes altogether. So, the person who won got seven hundred and something, and Matt got five hundred and something. I seen that. Yeah. Yeah. So, not as close as we would have liked. Uh, we would have liked it if he'd won, obviously. But we will try again in a couple of years. Yeah. No, and more recognition gets out there. Of, you know, right? Your, what you guys thought processes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. especially as terrible as this village has been ran for so long. That right, right, it's and time also for new leadership. If you look at a lot of presidents, people who eventually became president, lost in a, a major election at some point. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, look at President Lincoln. Lincoln lost. Yeah. Uh, Obama lost an important election. Clinton lost uh, a governorship at one point. So yeah, well, and then you look at Biden. Lost. He lost many times, and now he, yes. he got 81 million votes. <laughs> the Just most popular president yeah, in history. Even though his... Approval ratings thirty eight percent or something. Right, yeah. right. He's yeah. just he's amazing in that way. <laughs> yes. Well, sometimes unexpected things happen. The uh, Fetterman got Pennsylvania. Yes. He has the cognitive ability of a three year old. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think it's like adult abuse. The man should be resting. He had a stroke. I, I agree, it, and it, he needs time to recover. Yeah. And the recovery could take years. Yes. But this is a very stressful thing that he's going through. It's impossible to eliminate any stress in your life. And after you have a stroke, you can't stop living for a couple of years while you recover. But right. running for Senate, right. becoming a senator, that is very, very stressful. Right. Well, he needs to be recovering. That, does that reflect, because okay, you, you mentioned that, that you feel like that's abuse. Does that reflect the people that are taking care of Fetterman? Is abusing him? Or yes. Does that reflect the voice of the people that actually voted for him? In I mean, I think you, people have, voted. you have a doctor, Dr. Oz, a surgeon, mm-hmm. who... Is obviously a bright person. Um, I didn't follow him too close, and I don't think he ever really. I don't think he ever really got the, a hold of the people that he should have, right? Um, or you know, got the following that he needed. However, the people did speak. I mean, it. it so that's does that say something about the people who are taking care of Federman? Does that say something about the Both. people who were going against him? Both. I mean, every it's a cult mentality nowadays. Yeah. It's my side. I don't care how bad my candidate is. I'm going for the RRD. I think the Fetterman-Oz election demonstrates that either one or two of two things is going on, and it could be both. One possibility is there's some funny business with our whole election system. Mm -hmm. The other possibility is people are so... uh, tribal at this point yep. that they don't care who the candidate is yeah and either of those possibilities is bad yeah neither of those is good and i think it's probably a little from column a a little from column b right well, i think so too well in the mail and voting right there's a lot of things that can go wrong with that um so well with with you saying the mail and voting i wanted to bring that up um you know when when you have all these elections i don't we've been doing elections since 1776 how how we can't get our shit together by now is beyond me. But 
you know, you always, you always have the, like Arizona that, that took almost two weeks to get their results mm-hmm. back. And maybe I'm conspiracy theorist. I don't know. But whenever they have the problem where they're, well, we're still counting votes, still counting votes, for whatever reason, those states that that happens to, it always ends up, or seems to me, it always ends up to benefit the Democrats rather than the Republicans. It tends to lean that way, yes. You know what I'm saying? Um, Tucker Carlson recently looked at the numbers, and it was something like if it takes more than 48 hours to count the votes, like the chances of a Democrat winning just skyrocket mm-hmm. to a significantly, statistically significant point. There was two House seats in California, Republicans at one. But what they did, they went, they're playing the uh, Democratic game of where they're um, go or the Democrats game mm-hmm. not democratic but of uh, uh ballot harvesting and all that stuff mm-hmm. and they pulled out some wins because they were going around and doing the same thing the democrats are doing so it's either you know if, if the idiots that write these laws that are in, and agree to all these ballot harvesting i mean you should you should have to go and vote unless you're you can't i get that there's a system for that but it's rare and it's rare for a reason So that way there's no, you know. When you actually go and you vote in person, in most states, it might be all states, you can't have a family member or a friend go into the voting booth with you. Correct. If you need assistance, you have to get one of the people elected uh, elected to assist. Right. The reason they don't let anybody go in there with you is because of undue influence. Let's mm-hmm. say the extreme example would be a domestic violence relationship where one of the, the partners wants to vote a certain way and then the other partner wants them to vote the other way. They're going to make sure they vote that way. Mm-hmm. But then there's other situations like you may have an elderly person who has undue influence by one of their adult children. Mom, you're going to vote this way. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Or you could have an adult child who is being heavily influenced by a parent, et cetera. Uh, this will happen when you're doing voting at home. Yes. And you, uh, they're doing the paper ballots. So all of the reasons why they don't let somebody in with you when you're voting in person should apply when you're at home. And that is why the mail-in ballots should be unusual. It should be available for the military, for sure. Yeah, yep. Or if you are you physically can't get to... The polling place. You know, I got to say, even at this point, because of some of the stuff that we've seen, I am leaning towards making it only available to the military. Yeah. Because when you, we're starting to see the exception swallow the rule. Yeah. And this happens for a lot of rules where you have this exception that makes a lot of sense. And at first, when you create that exception, only the people who really need it use it. And it's rare and it's unusual. And then other people start to sort of open that up, open the floodgates. I want the exception to, oh, it should apply to this situation. And they start edging it out, edging it out, edging it out. And when that starts to happen, which is where we are now, I think, you really have to bring it back in and eliminate the exceptions, uh, perhaps except for the military. Right. We'll keep that one. Well, even in the military, I was out in crappy places. Mm-hmm. In um, 2007-2008 time frame, um, we never got ballots because we were, they didn't know we were war- we, where we were. Mm-hmm. We didn't even come to the main camp where we're, you know, out of mm-hmm. Al-Assad. We didn't even get them there, you know. And that same year I got back, they found a whole shipment of mail or uh, absentee ballots for the military that were still in Florida and never left the country. 
that were destined to get to us. Huh. You know, it's like, I understand when you're out in, you know, six, eight weeks and you ain't, you just no mail out there. There's nothing mm-hmm. out there. No power. I mean, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I get that. It's kind of hard to find somebody when they nobody knows where you're at because mm-hmm. you're on missions that, you know, nobody knows about. So. But in terms of people who physically cannot get to yeah. to the place, one of the places where we're really seeing a lot of the abuse is in the nursing homes mm-hmm. where there's people who physically cannot get to the facility to vote, the voting station. But there are a lot of them, a lot of them are physically inca- incapacitated. Yeah. And their minds are fine. Right. But a lot of them, they're, they're no longer competent. Right. And that's part of why they're in a nursing home and they are somehow voting. Yeah. Well, that influence on the, the nurses influence. Can or influence family members or, family, yep. or whatever. Gotcha. I work with a lot of guys with, with the industry I'm in that uh, are out of town for work. Like they're all week, they're gone. And uh, I, guys I work with that would love to vote didn't didn't do what they were supposed to and do their um, – you know, absentee ballot, and you know they're kind of beating themselves up. They didn't, and you know, I can't, I can't want, but wonder why. Why isn't election day a national holiday where everybody's home and everybody has that opportunity to vote? Yeah, that is I one think possibility. Should be a thing. I used to be against that because I was more in favor of early voting, mm-hmm. where you still have to go in person to the place, but it's open for a couple of weeks. We used to do that in Texas. I lived in Houston for a long time, and early voting was available for two weeks. And it was the same as it would be an election day. You go to the voting booth, and you vote, and, and you have to appear in person, and it, it's the same as if it were an election day. Uh, but that that's expensive, too. I see both of these are expensive. Yeah. In terms of what the cost to society as a whole. Everybody gets a national holiday. Well, then we're paying all of our federal civil servants and our local uh, and state civil servants. We're paying them not to work again. But early voting is also expensive because you have to have people working the polls and you have to have the voting station open. So I I think I a, used to be against it, but now I'm, I'm more I'm getting there. I'm more in favor of uh, a I national holiday. I think it's a necessary expenditure. I think you might be right. Yeah, we're, we're, especially what we witnessed last Mm-hmm. Couple years. I just again, I cannot understand for life of me how they can fuck something up so bad that they've been doing for over two hundred years. Right. Well, and it's just recently you're just marking shit on a paper uh-huh. and turning it in, and then somebody else is counting. This X goes to this mm-hmm. line. This X goes to this well, line. Like you said, it always seems the victor always seems to go one way uh-huh. in situations yeah. like that. But you look at Florida, right? Mm-hmm. DeSantis won by almost twenty points, which is unheard of. It doesn't ha- usually Florida's. If you won by two points, that's a landslide. And yeah. now the Democrats are accusing him of, of shenanigans. No, well, because, because he won he, by so much. He arrested people that were committing voter fraud. Uh-huh. Um, you can't do mail in. I think I believe that's correct. I'm not sure, 100. percent I'd have to check. Yeah, I thought that I heard that, but it, yeah, he cleaned up the uh, voter rolls. You know, got rid of all the people that deceased. Mm-hmm. They're not so there's not a chance of fraud going on there. I mean, so if you worked. clean up the if you clean everything up, right. You got a better chance of having a really good, you know, election. I At have, least be confident in your election results. I have worked on a number of elections over the years. This is uh, the first one where I was running for a public office, but I've worked on other people's campaigns. Enough that you usually, when you go around and you canvass, you have a list of uh, voters. And you know when you get to an address, you have a list of the people who live at that address who are registered to vote. Mm-hmm. Invariably. Half of the people on the roster no longer live there. Mm-hmm. 
there were people who were dead. There were people who had moved away 10 years ago. And even when I used to be a Democrat, something that I did not reveal to you guys last time, <laughs> uh, we as the Democrats would complain, man, these things are out of date. Don't they ever take anybody off? Mm-hmm. And we would complain about it amongst ourselves because we wanted a nice clean list so that we, when we knocked on the door, we could say, Mr. Johnson, instead of you know, know who actually lived there and it looked a little more personable. Instead, we'd be asking for people who'd been dead for years. So we used to complain about it, and, and somehow that uh, that complaint went away, at least for one side. I wonder why. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, you can you can correlate all that with, you know, how the FBI acts now. Mm-hmm. Um, the law enforcement arm of the Democrat Party, mm-hmm. in my opinion. No, it, um, it really appears to be. There's people, whistleblowers within the FBI yeah, who are they're saying They're coming that. out more and more. Well, that's uh, what we were just talking about before you got here. Um, about how Merrick Garland's opening an investigation on Trump, of course. Mm-hmm. Why special the, counsel now? Special, yeah. Well, you're a lawyer. You'd know more about that and so mm-hmm. ins and outs. makes sense that they're going to do that at the same time that the House has announced that they're going to open an investigation on the Biden family and their business dealings. And I I'm think, not in favor of the government constantly investigating itself. Mm-hmm. That's expensive. It's time-consuming. But it right, it's, so far it's been one-sided. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, I agree. I mean, how many, how much shit are you going to throw at Trump and keep falling back on you? Mm-hmm. Like, it just ain't going to stick, you know? Right. And, Especially with and, a... You know what I think they hated the most is that he was so honest in his, you know, he was running for, for the presidency the first time against Hillary Clinton. You know, she's like um, talking about how many tax breaks. He's like, of course I use them. Well, I'd, be, I'd be stupid to not use them. And he, he goes, you guys don't want me to change the tax laws because you use the same shit too. <laughs> right. You know, he ain't... And people are like... He's just telling it how it is. There's a lot of business people who will advocate for certain regulations that they are currently wouldn't voluntarily comply with. And a lot of that is because if you as a business undergo an expense because you think it's the right thing to do and your competition doesn't, that gives them an advantage you'll go under. Mm -hmm. So there will be business people who are advocating for certain rules and regulations that they want to follow. And you say, well, why are you you following it now? I can't. My business will go under because nobody else is doing that. Sort of like if you're doing construction, you have to hire illegal aliens. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, you will be too expensive compared to your competition. Right. And it's a problem. I mean, where do you even start to fix this mess of... I hate to say it, but they, they keep talking about a great reset, like mm-hmm. the Klaus Schwab and all that. But I think we need a different one to where we I, go back to. Like, well, a, I think you need to, first off, get the government's hands out of so much shit. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be a part of everything. Yep. You know, let we people need, regulate themselves a little bit. We're adults. We, I'm not in a freaking daycare where I need somebody to tell me when and how and what to do mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. the time. How many pieces do we of toilet paper Do we use? need government to... I wouldn't say protect us. We need a government to make sure there's structure in our country. We need a government to make sure rules are followed and laws are abided by. We certainly don't need a government to tell us we can't collect rainwater. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, the federal government was very... Like stuff like that yeah. is, is yeah. so stupid. Well, everybody puts their faith in the federal government. And I know we kind of... We talked about when you and Matt were on um, mm-hmm. before the election. But, you know, federal government is was designed to be very limited. Very limited to, to do foreign commerce and protect our borders is pretty much what it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there are some caveats. In do you know why the Senate was created? Why? 
to hold this government to hold the federal government accountable to the states so they couldn't overregulate the states. Yeah. They were the higher men cuz the House of Representatives were the pe- uh, the people's. They were people's representing house. people, right? Yeah. So they're the, they're that's why they call it the lower house. Mm-hmm. Cuz they're not as as sophisticated as the senators. But now it's all become a conglomerate of yeah. Once you get in there, you're not going to vote term limits. You're not mm-hmm. going to vote you I mean it's just a uh, a Ponzi yeah, scheme. You're not going to vote yourself <laughs> out of a job. You're certainly not going to vote yourself out of taking some of your uh, um, pay, pay away. Right. Part of why we've seen the federal government g- getting bigger and bigger, there's lots of reasons, but mm-hmm. one of them is uh, when everybody's allowed to do their own thing, when every community is allowed to do their own thing, they start having just naturally occurring uh, inequalities. Mm-hmm. And school system would be an example. They start getting, it's different. If you don't have... an umbrella organization coming in and telling everybody what to do. Everybody's just doing their own thing on their own. There's going to be some things where everybody just naturally comes to the same conclusion. Like we need to do reading math uh, and uh, writing, but you also start to get a lot of differences from system to system and that creates inequality. Right. So some people have a big problem with the inequality and they say, well, let's, bring in a top-down organization to create consistency. Mm-hmm. There's a certain value in consistency, but then you also have top-down, and then you lose a lot of innovation. Yep. You lose a lot of diversity of thought. Yes. You lose um, creativity and, and new ideas, et cetera. So, and that will also create inequality because not everything that's great for one community is great for another. Not everything that's great for one individual is good for another. Yep. So the school system would just be one example of how we've gotten over-centralized in an effort to create equality, and that is actually causing a lot of harm. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is also happening in a lot of other systems in our society. But I think inequalities are a good thing to have. I agree. Mm -hmm. To to some extent. To an extent, Mm -hmm. yeah. I I mean, I'm not, like, going to go crazy on that that Uh point. On a hill I'm willing to die on, but... Some inequalities, I think, are good things because you brought up innovation. Mm -hmm. If I can't do it that way, I will find a way to do it. Right. Right? So you come up with a way to make it happen. I I think one of the things we've seen with uh, trying to create consistency among schools is you've brought down the average. Yes. So, yeah, you have greater – you may have brought a few people up, a few local systems up, and that's arguable. But you've certainly brought other places down. Well, that's the thing with socialism, right? Mm-hmm. We all suffer the same. We're, we're mm-hmm. all equally poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you got kids that thrive in math, right? Mm-hmm. But they're being held back because the other kids aren't as good. This is the way your brain works. Well, my stepson is going through this now. He is too smart for the class that he's in. He's right. also one of the oldest kids in the class because of the cutoff for the age. Uh. So he's got that combination where he's one of the smarter ones and he's one of the oldest ones. And he is losing his mind. He's told the teacher, he's nine years old, and he's told the teacher, I need, he's actually gone to the teacher and said, I need more challenging math. And his teacher has told him, no, we have to wait for the slowest kids. Like, she flat out said that. Right. And he That's says. what you do, though. There, he says, there's kids in his class who can, he, you know, I said he's nine, what is he, in the third grade now? There's kids who can't do one plus one. Like, the teacher asked one kid, what's one plus one? And the kid didn't know. And my stepson was like, are you serious? Jello. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, and then one size doesn't fit all for education, mm-hmm. or for well, anything it doesn't not. fit. Right. You know, you should be rewarded for 
what you do good. And then mm-hmm. if you're not so good at something, then, okay, you need some remedial help to get you well, through it. Well, that goes with a lot of things. A lot of people can, can learn by reading reading the, the instructions. I can read these instructions and tell you how to put that together. People like me, I'm a visual learner. I got to have my hands on it. I got to see it being done, witness it, take it in. That's how I learn, you know. So, it, and I agree that it's hard for a school to be able to cater to all that, each person's individual needs. And I think that's why we try to come up with a common ground for everybody. But, you it know, doesn't it work. doesn't work for everybody. It don't work but for most. But what do you do? I don't think there's any kind of permanent or easy fix to I like this, this new thing that's coming out because of the COVID, these pods where communities are coming together and, uh, say, a parent. It's like a homeschooling. Uh, like a homeschooling co-op? Yeah. Yeah. So they'll each house will take in five or six kids. My sister does that. Well, several of my sisters. I have five sisters. Several of them homeschool. Uh, one of my sisters takes in a couple other kids for homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And I know one of my sisters, the... Like they do some stuff as a group with other homeschool parents, and then some stuff on their own. I just it. To, I know everybody's worried about the social issues with um, kids not going to public school, but the kids that are homeschooled tend to be way smarter, more educated. Major, more say. educated. Yes, more educated. They, they tend to like learning more. Yeah, because kids are naturally curious, right. and they will as long as you give them the tools to learn. They need to be able to to read and they need access to the information mm-hmm. and they need somebody to answer their questions. Mm-hmm. And if you don't beat out of them, their natural curiosity and give them the tools they need to just go with it. Most kids will just run away with it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think the whole idea behind the Montessori schools yeah. is to provide lots of opportunity for the kids to investigate stuff and, and make the most of their natural curiosity and have people there to answer questions and maybe give a little guidance, you know, why don't you look more into this, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you're right, I vote Republican. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best thing is to just have, I'm, I'm a big fan of school choice, mm-hmm. have as many options as possible. Yep. I like uh, I like the idea of magnet schools. I think, the, and some hardcore leftists, some woke people are trying to get rid of magnet schools. I don't. What's a magnet school? A magnet of? school is like, a, especially if you have a city, so everybody's a lot closer together. Why do you have to go to the school that's two uh, blocks away? Maybe you can go to a different one. So then they have a school that's uh, especially that excels in math. Like they still have the other stuff, but it's a math uh, magnet school okay. for okay. all the kids who are really good at math. And you have another magnet school for music. For people who are really good at music. And it works a lot better in the city where everybody's a lot closer together. Right. Yeah, we're kind of unfortunate out here. Not unfortunate because, I mean, we live in village, mm-hmm. obviously, but we're in a small community. Right. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot of options out mm-hmm. here. I mean, but there's I like advantages that. There's of, advantages of being in the small community, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah. there, I think it way outweighs exactly the downsides of living in a city. Pluses and minuses to everything. Yeah, there is. I just, well, that's what I was saying. I mean, there's, you never. I don't think you're going to ever come up with an agreeable solution to benefit everybody, and that's just life. Well, you can't because everybody's different. I Every, think uh, as long as you, the best thing to do is to create lots of options. Yeah. So that people can find what's best for them, or at least the closest thing. Yeah. There was once one of the things that made me think that um, one of those things leading up to my uh, walk away moment was I was having a conversation online with somebody I went to college with, and I was talking about uh, school vouchers, that uh, I had a little more money, so I was able to send my kids to private school. 
don't you want everybody to be able to do that? Doesn't don't vouchers do that? Don't they give other kids the opportunities the rich kids have always had? Mm-hmm. And his answer was, private school should be illegal, and homeschooling should be illegal. Everybody should have to go to the public school. He said he said that was the only way to fix the public schools was to make sure everybody was invested in it. And I'm like, you're eliminating choice. You're you're making it so nobody has any choice. Right. And he's like, yeah. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense. That's so un-American. Yeah. That's what we're firing on is freedom. Right. To make your own choices. What's it, best for you and your family. Including the choice to walk away. Yeah. And not be a part of whatever, the entire system or even just a portion of the system. Right. The school system being a big part of it. It's just... Uh, we've well, gotten so far away. I think schools have changed quite a bit since, you know, when I was in school. You graduated like 10 years before I did. <laughs> no, I didn't. I graduated in 98. I graduated in 04. So seven That's years not, before I did. No. Um, they obviously had better math when you went. Yeah. Yeah. Six years. <laughs> Sorry. My wife gave me this cocktail of this special tea that her friend gave her. Um and I've been taking other medicines trying to kick this cold because it's kicking my ass. So my brain's not working 100% <laughs> right now. And I'm having a beer on top of that. So we're just going to see where this roller coaster goes. That's that's no excuse. Mm. No, Did that, you your, know? Your sound bite's not working. Oh, no. Oh. What's wrong? This is Sparta! <laughs> yeah, that's what the medicine's inside me doing right now. <laughs> Did you know that of all the government sectors, the education system employs the most people? Now, the education system is primarily on the state level, Mm -hmm. but the education system on the state level employs more people than the entire federal government, including all of the military and the post office. That's just crazy. It is that is where the majority of our tax dollars go in terms of, uh, in terms of people being paid. I think a lot more is going to go to Medicaid, but that's um, redistribution. Right. In terms of consumption, being right. paid, paying somebody, it is the education system. And I think I honestly I, I believe truly that uh, the education um, federal aspect of it should be gone by should be to the states. And then I, I think education should be more at the local level because mm-hmm. each community knows what's best for their local community. In my opinion, I, I mean, I just, I don't, how do you regulate something so big on a national level? You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be trying. Not even, not yeah. even trying. Yeah. And I agree with that hundred percent. How can you say Wayne County and the needs of Wayne County's kids and students and, and what have you have the same needs of Blissfield? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, nothing even close. Worlds apart. But, yeah, we're all regulated the same. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's part of the fix, right? We could, uh, you know, let communities regulate their own education systems mm-hmm. rather than having somebody in Washington tell me what's best for my kid that they'll never know their name. Right, right. Well, and it, it holds – it's way easier to hold local officials accountable mm-hmm. than it is somebody in D.C. But mm-hmm. I think what you would, you you would know. run into is that these communities that are um, – downtrodden or yeah yeah. so they're not going to have the how can i say this they're not going to have the um necessary tools i guess or the or the means of of creating a a viable learning um, system as well as like blissfield would 
But then you have to put it, and it goes back to the voters, like we were talking about before. I mean, everybody's like, the, the quality of candidates suck. But sometimes the quality of voters suck. That's true. Whatever what happened the, to the lottery benefiting the education system, by the way? <laughs> I think that usually went to seniors, didn't it? I don't know. Lottery money usually Who knows to, where that I don't goes. know. I don't know. Listen, they just won $2 billion. I know Michigan helped contribute. I know this guy did. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one of the quotes from Winston Churchill is, democracy is absolutely the worst type of government, yep. except for all the others. Right. It, well, I'm sure. I mean, I know I, I listened to your one show after you were on, you and Matt were on here, mm-hmm. and we talked about the um, if men were angels, we wouldn't need government. Right. And they're talking about a joke because of the um, demons and everything. Um, but what, what better form in the world do we have right now than a representative republic? I, I we don't have it right now. I know. I get that. Right. I do um, think that it is the best option. I think that what our founding fathers came up with was the best there is. Right. I don't think there's anything better, and I think part of the problem we're having right now is we're getting away from what their vision was. Yeah. Way, we need to way, return yeah. it. We need to return to and that ben, original vision. And Ben Franklin also said when he was asked what form of government you give us, a republic, if you can keep it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're far from keeping it. I mean, we're on the verge of losing it. Right. We, you were talking about a great reset, and that's yeah. those words are from uh, the World Economic Forum. Yes. But I think they're right. I don't want the reset that they want. Yes. I want a different one. They want total, totalitarianism of, of like, they control us. You will have own nothing and you'll be happy. Like, no, that isn't how this works. They, but. they think that they're, what they're doing is good for us. Now, there may be some members of it who are evil and just are sociopaths and just want what's best for themselves. I think most of the people involved in that Great Reset movement have the best of intentions. The older I get, the more that I the more I see that authoritarianism doesn't spring out of evil intent. Mm-hmm. It springs out of good intent. Yeah. We want to make everything better. We should give this government agency more power to make everything better. Right. And every you you see it in little increments all over the place. We're going to give more money or more power to this agency and they're going to do lots of good. And I think the people giving them that power or money believe it. Right. And that's their intent. But that's how it gets bigger and bigger and we get more But inevitably, and- just like in a republic, greed always trumps everything else. Eventually, somebody's going to be greedy and more, and then they're going to convince their other friends to be greedy. That's when it starts then, to fall apart. And yeah. that's what we're going through now. Well. There's so much greed in our quote-unquote leaders that they're actually destroying us from the inside out. Yeah, they don't care about the actual nation. As long as they're on top and they're making money, screw the rest. Yep. You can't tell me Republican or Democrat, none of them don't think that way. I still think most of them forgive themselves for the occasional moment of greed because they still believe that most of what they do is for the public good. I think they still believe they are mostly good people who just do the occasional thing that, okay, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but... Well, it's the same. Well, if that's the case, if you if you if you were to say that I, what I'm doing here is to benefit my constituents and the people that I love in the America that I have a dream for, get rid of your special interest parties, get rid of your donors, and yeah. get rid of all that bullshit and run it. The lobbyists. You know, back when this country very first started, we didn't have people that their sole job was a politician. 
you were a farmer, you were a, a store merchant, you were this, you were that. You'd go to government once in a while, you'd deal with your bullshit, and you come back and you run your farm and run your store. Yeah, I think that's how it should be now. I think there's also a lot of people who, when they do bad things, they justify it. They they want to, for, let's say they think they need to do anything that they have to do to win an election, mm-hmm. including some shenanigans. Yeah, Let's say they, we have to cheat, but we need to because the other person is so evil is going to be bad. Right. So this bad thing that we're going to do isn't that bad because ends, we're achieving a greater good. The ends justify the means, right? Ends justify yep. the means. But it, it snowballs yep. to the point where they vilify the enemy and they think it's okay to throw them in jail. Mm-hmm. Like what's happening to everybody who was involved in January 6th. Right. It's For okay. They're evil. Mr. Meter trespassing and they're right. still sitting in jail right. without... But the people doing it and the people supporting the fact that they're in jail, they're like, yeah, but they're evil. They're Mm -hmm. bad for society. So it's okay for us to do this. It's going to come for you too. And then they just, it it intensifies how much they think is okay Mm -hmm. to do to other people. Well, I was going to piggyback off what you were saying earlier about um, people have good intentions. But isn't Mm -hmm. there a saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions? Yes. (laughs) Matt said to me, Matt said to me. (laughs) You're uh, Matt. Yeah, my Matt. My Matt said to me, whether it's today or, or yesterday, he said, we are always, everyone in the world, throughout all time, we are always on the road to tyranny. Yeah. It's just a matter of how fast you're going mm-hmm. and whether you're ever able to take another road, maybe do a little bit of a U-turn for a little while. But you're always going to wind up back on the road to tyranny. And and how do you know what you just usually stops at is usually war. Is usually a war. I can I say it on here? This is a yeah. podcast, not YouTube. So yeah, no, yeah I think we're going to have a war. Yeah, I, I think it's inevitable, and I think it's going to be soon. Do you think civil or I mean civil I, war? I think, but also both. both. W- World War Three and civil. Well, this is you know I have my collapse series on YouTube, and part of the reason mm-hmm. I started it was the really good. Series, by the way, thank you. Part I of the reason I, part of the reason why I started doing it was I heard people saying if we get into a civil war, uh, other people are going to invade us, and I said no, they're not. They're going to go after their neighbors. As soon as we, they don't want to destroy us, they want us out of the way. Yeah. And however that happens, they don't care. They don't care whether we're all dead or we just went off and did our own thing. So if we start going into a civil war, they're not going to, we're too far away. I think most countries learned a lesson from colonialism. It's really hard to control a country on the other side of the earth. Even yep. now with the yep. improvements in, in transportation, it is still very difficult to control a people on the mm-hmm. other side of the world. So they're not going to try to control us. They're not going to try to invade us or take us over. Take they're going to go after their neighbors. Yep. So I thought that it would happen after the Civil War that Russia would go after Ukraine and China would go after Taiwan. Taiwan. It looks like they're doing it now. Yep. Uh, so it's a slow roll. It's a slow roll shit hits the fan scenario yes. we're, we're living through right now. Exactly. It's already started. Oh, yeah. It's been like probably at least a few years. I do not see a way that we get off of this speeding train to tyranny. We're, we're very close. We experienced some of it during the COVID lockdowns, mm-hmm. although it's backed off a little bit. I don't see any way to turn this train around without a war. Mm-hmm. Now, my worry is that doesn't happen and we just end up in, in tyranny. You know, when you read uh, 1984 mm-hmm. or other books similar to that, you wonder... Animal or Farmhouse. Right. Uh, animal Farm? Animal Farm, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. 
you, uh, well, let's use 1984 as an example. You see Winston Smith, the mm-hmm. lead character. He's trying to revolt against the government. Right. But he discovers it's really, it's too late. Yeah. And the opportunity has passed. And you sort of wonder, why didn't they fight back sooner? I interviewed uh, a lot of people who were fleeing violence in Central America. I went to one of the family detention centers for immigration in in Texas. I spent a week there and and, um, prepped everybody for their asylum interviews. Now, the people in that detention center, I will say, I think most of them, their stories are real. Now, whether they qualify for asylum, that's a legal issue that we can, I can explain if you want me to, but their stories were real. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it had gotten really, really bad. And you sort of wonder, how could you let it get this bad? Like, it's it's too late at this point because the gangs had taken over the police. Right. So even, like, I interviewed this one woman. She had a a sibling who had joined the police force, was going to try to make it better, and the gangs went after her and her family. Because you can't be good and be on the police force. They'll, right. they'll kill you or they'll, they'll uh, kill your family or whatever. So it's too late. And you say they should have done something sooner. I'm afraid we're going to end up in that situation where it's like, are. it's too late. Laurel, I, think done. <laughs> I think we are. I, I think it's beyond the point. Uh-huh. Cause most people, they put their head down. They just want like, just leave me alone. I want to work, pay my bills, come home. With, hang out with my family, have my weekends off, and and we're, but then it's, but if you go and you go on social media and you speak out, you get canceled mm-hmm. by the people that want tyranny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what it is. It, the if you are about freedom, the American Constitution, um, you know the Bill of Rights, your silence. You know, that's the sad reality of what's going on right now. I don't think I think it's too late to turn things around without a civil war. I don't think it's too late for a civil no, war. No, and I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I, yeah, I think it's too late to to back off of this nonviolently. Um, if anybody has a suggestion for how to do that, I'm all ears. No, me too. Yeah. I think leading up to the uh, 2024 election, it's going to get really, really scary and really dark I think that's America. when it's going to pop off. I think it's going to get I spicy, yeah. From here on out, the country's only going to get divided, and it's going to happen in a quick way. Yeah, I think so many people are tired on the left. They're tired of the feeling uh, oppressed and, and uh-huh. not equal to their neighbor and all that, that they're ready to do anything to achieve what their ultimate goal is. And I think people mm-hmm. on the right are just sick and tired of the people on the left bullshit. Yeah, we just want to be left alone. Yeah, yeah. and I think it's going to come to a point where it's like, you know, we're tired of this cancel culture. We're tired of being told we shouldn't, shouldn't do. I want to be able to fly my American flag in, in my uh, neighborhood and not have my homeowners association take it away. Screw you guys. We're going to do it anyway. And it's just going to come mm-hmm. to a head at some point. And I think right. closer and closer we get to the election because now they're saying Biden, for whatever reason, they want him to run again, which blows right. my freaking mind. The yeah. guy's got like a 30% approval rating. He's a f- whatever. I'm not going to get into that. But yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I see it getting very, very scary, very dark, very soon. I we'll think, see. Yeah. yeah. I think 2024, either things are going to pop off. Or then the opportunity will have passed. Yeah. And and once again, I'm not advocating for a war. No. I understand that it would be really, really bad. I just think that the alternative is worse. And, you know, I will say it again. If anybody has a peaceful solution that might actually work, I'm all ears. Yeah. The best solution that I heard, and actually I didn't think it was going to work, but we gave it a shot, was 
as many people as possible run for local office. Yeah. So we tried it. But oh, but you got two years. You can do it we again. We got two years. We can yeah. try again. Well, if we got two, if there's right. gonna be election two years, we'll exactly. See. Well, yeah. we'll see. You, can't <laughs> you can't necessarily chalk it up as a loss. I mean, you tried. Mm-hmm. You got the experience, and you're certainly welcome to do it again. Now, mm-hmm. there's other people that ran for local offices that nobody ever thought would or should, and mm-hmm. and, and maybe won. So and maybe they won. Yeah. So. You know, just because you didn't benefit from the movement right away doesn't mean other people didn't True. help True. that cause. True. We did hear from a couple of our listeners um, that they were rooting for you guys. Oh. Just like it's time for uh-huh. a change. Yes. Yes. You know, and I love that sign just west of town here mm-hmm. on 223. It says, Matt Canabo, you know, <laughs> less government, less taxes. Yeah. You know, I'm like, sweet. You less know. government, lower taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's like, yeah. I don't know who wants more government and more taxes. A lot of people. Because they think the government's going to do stuff They think for the you. government's going to do, if you just give the government more money, they'll yeah. do great things with it. When has that ever worked? Trust us. <laughs> yeah, just throw more money at it. Yeah, that's never worked. Ronald Reagan said, worst it, things you can hear from the government is trust us, we're from the government. And we're here to help. Mm-hmm. We're here to help. <laughs> yes, and yeah. we have, we're, we're definitely over-regulated. I... Saw a quote again from Winston Churchill. It's Winston Churchill night. Mm-hmm. It says, um, 10,000 regulations will destroy all respect for the law. Yeah. yeah. You're going to regulate people to death and they're going to start getting pissed off. Yeah. A lot of people are, are already getting well, pissed off. Well, and you don't see on the news mm-hmm. in like the uh, EU and all that, there's protests going on all the time over overseas because mm-hmm. of the high uh, fuel cost and right. uh, electricity. They got rolling blackouts. They don't like Germany's. On the verge of not having any power. They're rationing home heating fuel in the northeast of the U.S. They're in, we're going, I just read a report. We're rationing home heating fuel in the the southeast part of Blissfield right now. Really? At my house we are. (laughs) (laughs) I just filled up my propane tank, 500-gallon tank, $777. Wow, yeah. It's about a month and a half worth of fuel. We fired up our wood stove downstairs. We just bought it this year, and... um, yeah, we're just uh, feeding. It's it's using a lot of wood. Mm-hmm. So Matt's my Matt is out there chopping lots and lots of wood. Yeah, so we have a chimney in the middle of our house that doesn't get used. It's it's my house is from the 19, 1918. Mm-hmm. So it's been added on to several times. Anyway, this chimney's just sitting there. So um, I got a guy coming out to inspect it and hopefully get it lined. We're buying a wood stove because mm-hmm. my wife was totally against it. I don't want a wood stove. You know, blah, blah, blah. It's the best heat in the world, So, in my opinion. When I called her and said, hey, I just put order propane. She goes, how much was it? I'm like, $777. She goes, you know, we really ought to talk about getting a wood stove. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, you're all, I'm all about it now that I threw out that number. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's hopefully by next winter, we'll, that's going to be a, a it was ex- going to come to fruition. It was expensive to, uh, the, the stove itself was expensive and the installation was expensive. It's going to take a number of years to hit payback time or maybe sooner if fuel keeps going up really fast. It was about $10,000 for the stove and the installation. Yeah. Uh, but even if payback time were, let's say, 10 years or estimated to be that long, it's still worth the peace of mind to know that if there's any kind of uh, supply chain disruption mm-hmm. or shortages or whatever, we can just go out back and chop some. Right. right. We're not going to freeze. Do you guys, just knowing that. You got natural gas out there or you got propane? We've got uh, natural gas. Okay. Because yes. you're right on the edge of town, right? That was part right. of my argument yeah. is that, you know, even even with our furnace, and we, I'm like, yeah, we pay all this money, but what happens if something happens and the power mm-hmm. goes out? You know, we have a winter storm and power goes out. I said, 
give a shit how much fuel's in that furnace ain't gonna work. Mm-hmm. Right. The January is only gonna run so long. <clears throat> I said, well, the wood stove, we can heat water, we can cook food, we can you know heat water for bathing and doing your dishes. Mm-hmm. Plus, we have heat. I, I've got a, woods that are on this side of me, woods are on that side of me. Both my friends own them. Like they would be more than happy for me to go out there and take all the fallen timber out of there. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like a hundred percent free, other than the little bit of sweat equity invested. There, yeah. there is a lot of work. The sweat yeah, equity is a lot. I gotta say, it is. But we have we have a lot of standing deadwood. I don't, am I using the right term for that? The dead trees that I haven't yeah. fallen down. Uh, so it's there and we can cut it down and, but it, it will take time to cut down yep. and split, yep. but, but it's there. So Matt split any, it by hand or is it, does he have a log splitter? We have, uh, no, we, we'd have to do it by hand. We okay. looked into log splitters. We haven't got. we've bought so much stuff. It, when you're starting your homestead, mm-hmm. there's a lot of capital investment. Most people quit homesteading in the first year. And I think it's not only is it more work than they thought it would be, it requires more skill than they thought it would. Yep. And it requires more capital investment than they were expecting. Yep. There's just a lot of equipment you have to buy. A, a, a log splitter is one of them. Yep. So we have not bought that one. We've bought lots of other stuff. We haven't it, bought that one. Saves a lot of time. Yep. Um, I grew up, we had wood burner growing up. Um, said I lived out in the woods with my dad. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was just natural. I know how to run them all. I, mm-hmm. I can split wood by hand still. But yep. having a log splitter, it's a, it's, it's a force multiplier. Because mm-hmm. a one person can split a lot of wood in one day with a log splitter. Right. If you're out there chunking off... <clears throat> You're, you're, you're bucked up pieces. I mean, it takes a lot of work. It does. Then you're beat. And you don't want to move for three days. <laughs> you, just, you, know. you, can, you can build a really simple log splitter out of a hydraulic piston. and uh, Don't yeah. don't tell my Matt, because then he'll spend the next week doing that. And I got other stuff I need my, to do. Me and my dad built one. <laughs> he built one that was like the beast of log splitters. And then once uh, fuel oil went down to like next to nothing, back when I was about 15... We just went, we went to fuel oil because we live out in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, I want to kill myself cutting all this wood all the time. And then, so fuel oil was so cheap at that time. Right. And then fast forward, I had to put a wood burner back in my mom's house because <laughs> propane, because we switched the, we jacked the house up, put a base on it. It's beside the point, but she's got a propane furnace now. And the price of that fuel went so high that it's like, she's, we got to burn wood. The guy that Offset we bought it. the wood stove off of, he said that business has just been absolutely booming for him lately. It's so many people who are worried about supply chain disruption on a local level, on a global level. They want to make sure that they have it. He says there's even a number of politicians. He doesn't want to give their names, mm-hmm. but people in state politics and Congress who are getting wood stoves, if they're scared, yeah, that, that should tell you something. Well, Germany was a big one. They were out. Uh, getting wood out of the national parks or wherever they got over there. And that's illegal. It's illegal. They were risking arrest to do that, but they're yeah. like, but you got you to heat your family? What you, what die you of cold. Do? Yeah, what are you going to do? Let their family freeze? Exactly. If you got a wood burner, let them use it. Yeah, I don't know. The thing is that they, um, there's a reason why it's illegal. It's because they don't have enough forest for everybody. Yeah. And they'll end up just chopping down their forest, the it, whole thing. And there'll be nothing left. There'll be nothing left. And that's the thing. It sucks is, you know, when you, you're trying to care for your family and you can't but it's because of your government that sucks so bad that puts all these regulations on everything mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you you shut down all your uh coal plants or your um their nuclear nuclear 
you know, like France was huge on nuclear. Um, and they were shutting them down. I think they're starting to reopen them back up because they... For, for a lot of the nuclear stuff in uh, in Europe, they were shutting down their nuclear plants. And I, I watched a video with an expert on, on those energy systems, not, not just nuclear, but he was saying, people are asking, why can't you just fire up the nuclear plants? You were winding it down. Why can't you just fire it up again? And he says, it's not that simple. You have to order the nuclear material like mm. years in advance it has to be mined it mm. has to be shipped yeah it's not just yeah it's a certain rod exactly it, it's you, not like a you can't just say hey can i have more tomorrow right and so if they haven't ordered it it hasn't been mined they can't just fire it up again right it takes a couple years process yeah mm-hmm. you know um but that's i think i don't we'll take a quick break here in a minute um but I think I think this is all planned it's for the great reset. For yeah, absolutely. So the you know you put everybody to their knees, begging for somebody to take care of them. I gotta say though, the the World Economic Forum wanting the great reset. Let let's go with this, this idea that they are creating chaos intentionally, mm-hmm. which I think maybe they are. That could backfire on them because it creates other opportunities for a different reset. Yeah, and I think that's where it's going to end up being. I hope so. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I mean, either way, it's going to be a few. It's going to be a hard couple of decades. Yes. Not a hard couple of weeks, months, no. or years. It's going to be a hard couple of decades. About 20. I would it, say 20. Probably, at least. till we can get back to common sense. Mm-hmm. I would think. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But we're all living in this shit show together. So mm-hmm. all you can do is just get prepared for what's coming. Either way. Whatever side wins, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a rough ride. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yep. So, we'll say a quick break because I got to pee. Okay. We'll uh, we'll be right back. Okay. Welcome back to Black Cash Podcast. Hello. Hi. Hey. We got Laurel, Scott, and we got Shane Fisher. Hi. Hey. He's he's sick. He's Yeah. I'm all right. It's totally not COVID. Yeah. No, it's not COVID. It's just, (laughs) that's what we were talking about. I'm like, it's not a tumor. People people (laughs) still get regular sick. Not everything is COVID. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. No, we were talking just off air real quick was that. The cases of flu went to zero during mm-hmm. COVID. Somehow. It was just a psychological mind game, I believe. You look back now. When it first came out, everybody was kind of like, oh, what is this? You know, it's just kind of, you know. So everybody was a little cautious. But then, like, after the two weeks, split, uh, slow the spread. And then it's like people were getting there like, and it just felt like I had a bad cold for three days. You know, there were two things that made me think the whole thing was being blown out of proportion. Because at first I took it very seriously. Mm-hmm. The first thing that made me think this being blown out of proportion was there was that floating hospital that they ended up closing because it didn't get used. Right. And they closed it up. I'm like, if they're closing it up, they have realized this is not so bad. Yeah. And that was early on. Yep. And then the other thing that made me realize this, they're just exploiting this for their, the government is exploiting it for their own purposes, was when there were all those riots in the summer 
And there was a letter signed by all of these public health officials saying racism is a public health emergency. It's okay for all these people to go out and protest. Yeah. Yep. I was like, really? Right. You can be in big crowds because that's more important than. As long as it's a political issue that's important to them. You can only get COVID on the beaches of Florida. (laughs) Right. Not in an Antifa rally. Right. Yeah. It was like. Important to know that because they're all double masked. So I just thought they have lost all credibility, oh, all yeah. the public health officials with that letter. And again, that was early on. That was in the summer. And all of the lockdowns continued for a long time after that. For no reason. I mm-hmm. just continued picking my nose and eating it as I have since I was a kid. And I didn't get it. <laughs> and that's why I think I didn't get it. Drink I just took a drink. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the truth. It's it, the, the stupidity. Like, follow the science. Follow the science. It's like, but we are. This is like normal flu season. Right. I mean, I understand people die, but people die from, we don't track how many people die from the flu. Every we do year. track it. Well, the we track CDC it, but, it, but it's it. not, you don't have a tracker on CNN or Fox News. But the average person isn't thinking about it. I know. No. Yeah. Right. Just something we deal with. We've been dealing with it for hundreds of years. We right. had 13 new cases, 1,300 new cases this week. Yeah, we probably got more than that in flu because mm-hmm. it's flu season. But we don't track it. Well, like, well, we track it, but not like there's not a ticker on your news, uh-huh. your TV screen. What they, what they don't fear in you. What they don't, uh, what they don't track is, you know, yeah, maybe you had 700 people died last month from COVID. Okay, well, how many out of that 700 had underlying health issues prior mm-hmm. to? Mm-hmm. They would have died from the flu. How many of them were like way overweight, diabetic, not taking care of themselves, have lung issues, have, you know, all this other shit that could, they could have. They don't like tell you any of that. Comorbidity or comorbidities. Mor- morbidities, yeah. The best thing to do to give yourself protection against COVID or any other disease is to eat right, exercise, <laughs> get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was ridiculous when one of the first things they did during all the lockdowns was close the gyms. Yeah. Yeah, none like, of that. I don't Everybody do any of gained that. 15 pounds. Right. That was the average. There was. I mean, I'm not making that up. That was actually the national average. Everybody gained at least 15 pounds. Yeah, you're sitting at home doing nothing. Exactly. You're bored, so when you're bored, you eat. And the gyms are closed, and you're not yeah. allowed to go outside, and everybody gaining 15 pounds well, is not good for your health. Eh, I don't do this. <clears throat> do some day drinking. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah, so people who are basically during the lockdown are doing what my normal Saturday is. <laughs> I don't get off the couch. Eat, I eat a bunch. Mm-hmm. I drink a lot um, and just kind of hang out, uh, you know, I got to say, my day-to-day life didn't change that much because I already worked from home on my computer, and I was already antisocial. Right. So. Mine didn't, because I, well, starting the pandemic, that's right, why I still work from home, but, um, yeah, I mean, but working from home and office, working on a computer, it's sitting on a chair anyways. So. My travel stopped. I used to travel a lot. Yeah. And now I travel a lot less. So you do you still do lawyer stuff or yeah you, yeah unfortunately are you like a consultant or are you actually no I most of my clients are long distance okay. I don't go to court and I I I learned that early on was it was too stressful to go to court because I was always afraid I was going to get a flat tire or something and if you don't show up you could get disbarred and I was like this is just too gosh darn stressful and you stress and stress and stress and you prepare and you get in front of the judge and you're there for five minutes asking for a continuance and then you leave. I was like, wait, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do administrative filings. Uh, I just mail the stuff in and they make decisions. Gotcha. Um, so you, uh, you're a, your own, 
you are your own boss yes. now? Okay. Yes. So, okay. Yeah. So people like find somebody that does stuff for a law firm or something that will. Oh, I know the clients hire me directly. Oh, okay. So I don't, I don't work for other people. I, I knew this about myself before I went to law school is I can't work for anybody else. I'm a terrible employee. <laughs> I am an awful employee. Don't hire me. And when we were off here, she did admit that she used to be a little left leaning. I, I was, yes. Um, and you, your degree, well, what you focused on was environmental. Well, my, uh, my college degree, my bachelor's degree right. is in environmental science and gotcha. I, I have a master's degree in environmental management Awesome from Duke university. Uh, but I, I got a job. I worked for the Peace Corps for a little while. Uh, that was awful. And then I went and I worked for a contractor for the EPA. And I thought, okay, well, now we're doing stuff. We're actually doing stuff with the EPA. It ended up being more like database management than actual environmental stuff. And I, and we were managing a lot of the paperwork for the EPA. And I'm looking at these files and there's these letters from businesses saying, we've done everything that you've asked. Can you please stop finding us? We've done it all. We've tried our best and you're killing our business. And it was all like mom and pop businesses just begging the EPA, please leave us alone. Please leave us alone. And I, I felt really bad about it. I, I got into it thinking I was going to be helping the environment. And I just saw in those files, lives being destroyed by the EPA and the EPA just doesn't care. No. One of the things I've learned in, in working with the government, not, well, I guess I have worked for the government cause I was in the, the Peace Corps. Uh, but definitely with the government is, uh, government is a machine. Yeah. It doesn't care about you. It's not out to get you, but it also is not out to help you. It is right. a machine and you have to give the machine what it wants. Mm -hmm. And if you don't give the machine what it wants, it will roll right over you and destroy you. Yeah. It does not care about your children. The the less the government does, the better. Yeah. That's where I've always been, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, the older, you know, once I actually started caring about what the government's doing, mm -hmm. when I, I joined the military on 17, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, it's like, I, I just go do this stuff here, you know, and then the older you get, you're like, what the hell was I sent over there for anyways? What yeah. was the reason of this war? You know, you start thinking, like, is it really necessary? This, what's what's the point of? I mean, it's just a a bloated bureaucracy that it's just so stupid. Yeah. It does, it's not needed. Mm -hmm. We don't need all this crap to tell people how to live <clears throat> our lives. I mean, yeah, okay, don't dump freaking nuclear waste into a river. Right. Okay, I get that. Mm -hmm. We need we need somebody to regulate that stuff. Get it? Because there's there are a lot of companies that did a lot of bad things. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily nuclear waste, but, you know, uh, oil and Taking toxics. care of the environment yes. is generally a good idea. Managing yeah. your resources is generally a good idea. But this would be an example of mm. the best of intentions going awry. Yeah. It seems like the EPA was a good idea. We, we need to regulate people so that we don't destroy our rivers, so that our rivers don't, and our lakes don't uh, catch fire. Right. What, what, yeah, what no. lake oh, caught fire? Um, I forget which one. It was up here, wasn't it? Or was that in Chicago? I, I don't know, but it was it was a lake that caught fire. There was a river that went up in Detroit area. I think that the Rouge River, I think that caught fire. Because so, they were the factories were dumping in massive amounts of toxic waste into so, the river. So you say, Okay, well let's create an agency so this doesn't happen anymore and we all have the best of intentions and Road to but hell. then it started the road <laughs> to hell <laughs> and then it starts spiraling out of control. So I, I think this would be an example of where 
yes, I, I think some regulation and some enforcement is probably a good idea, but it can easily get out of control even with an agency that you think is generally good. Well, because always government always bloats itself, right? I mean, look at for for an example or uh, you know an analogy or whatever. But you look at Twitter, right? So Elon Musk buys it, he fires pretty much everybody, mm-hmm. and it's still running. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Oh my God, Twitter's done," and he's down to like ten percent of the workforce or whatever it is. This and it's is- like it's still running, you know. This is a harsh reality that I think most workers at companies don't see uh, is that most companies can get by with a fraction of their current workforce. With a good, dedicated workforce. Yes, if they keep the good ones, if they actually go in and find out who's doing the work, Mm -hmm. it is usually, I think it's 10% of the people do 50% of the work is the general rule. Uh, There was... I used to have lots of employees working for me. I had like two or three associate attorneys. I had a couple of paralegals. I had an office manager. I had a receptionist. And I was always, I was spending all of my time managing my employees. Right. Like, and it was, there was always drama. There was drama, drama, drama. And they always wanted more money. They always said I was underpaying them. Um, looking back, I think I wasted a lot of money on employee salaries. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I had l- sort of a light bulb moment. One of my paralegals, and she's still a friend of mine. I liked her a lot. But she was upset of something I had done or said. And she said to me, you need us. You can't run this place without us. You need us. And I thought about it later, and I was just like, no, I don't. I, I don't. I don't need all these people. And that was when I decided, I'm going to get rid of all of my employees. And I didn't just go in and fire everybody one day. Uh, there were some people I did need to let go, but it, I let everybody go eventually through attrition. You know, they, they saw the writing on the wall. They started looking for other jobs. I thought that was a good idea. That was mm-hmm. better for everybody. I'll let you look for another job, and then you resign, and, you know, we'll all just go our merry way. So now I have no employees. So much better. Yeah. So much better. Well, because you know how to do every position already. Right. It was just to help your workload. Right. And it turns out, like, well, my workload's more now because I got employees. Yeah, the, yeah. I was just spending all of my time managing and training employees and checking them instead of doing what you're fixing doc- their mistakes and right. apologizing to the clients for my client, my for my person's mistake. So, yeah, the, that was that was the light bulb moment. You need us. I'm like, mm, not really. Nope. No. I don't. There's certain yeah. There's certain jobs. Yeah, one dude can't do everything, but. There's other ones that can. Definitely you know. don't need. And I think even uh, Warren Buffett said that recently once at a conference. He said, you know, he was talking to all of these business people. He said, you know, most of you, you don't need half your employees. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. I mean, like physical labor. Yeah. Yeah. You need your employees. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that you can't physically do this stuff, you know. Right. right. You know, if you don't have an operator like Shane is, mm-hmm. I mean, what? Um, that dirt's not going to move itself unless right. you have a shovel and you got three years of time to get the mm-hmm. job done. All right, all right. Now you sound like my boss. That dirt, <laughs> that dirt ain't going to move itself. Yeah, but you got levers to pull uh-huh. instead of a shovel to dig into the ground. That's your third cup of coffee. Well, let's get going. <laughs> you do need some people for a lot of jobs. Yeah, there, you, there's some things, yeah. But you mean look stuff. at, but I'm, where I'm going back to is mm-hmm. like um, the federal government Oh, you don't so many employees go. that they don't need. The public school system can can yeah. let go of half of the people. Oh, honestly, easily. but you it, get the not union. the teachers because yeah. a lot of the. Well, this is where 
I'm sorry, I don't don't have the the exact numbers handy, but over the past, I think it's 30, 40 years, the number of people working at the public schools has doubled, but the student-teacher ratio has stayed the same because all the people they're hiring are other staff. Right, not teachers. Not teachers. The backside people in the offices that don't... The assistant principal and a couple more secretaries and the school counselor and they're just adding on all these other people. The assistant to assistant to assistant. uh Uh-huh, the career counselor. Because we got to spend this money from the federal government or we lose it. If you look at any individual job by itself, you say, okay, it's a good idea to have this person in this job. It's a good idea to have this job created. But all of it as a whole just creates bloat. It's the same with regulations. My father used to say all of these regulations that they have on businesses, if you look at any one regulation in isolation, it makes sense. Right. But all of it all together, especially for small businesses, it's overwhelming. It's too much. Yeah. Well, I mean, for small businesses, then you have to hire legal representative to like even go through all the paperwork to even tell you, I don't know what this means. Uh, Yeah. The legal jargon is like, I don't, how can I be in compliance if I don't know what Oh, I get letters from the state that's like you're out. You didn't file this, and I'm like, I don't even know what this is. Right. Didn't file what? What are you talking about? Because it's they don't a- know. Because the government doesn't even know what they're sending you. There's like statute 1347 says you have to do this. Well, that doesn't apply to me. Uh huh. They're like, well, I don't know, but it says you have to. I'm like, no. When I was incorporated in New Hampshire, I got this letter saying, uh, "We are." expiring your incorporation. And I was like, why? And they said, because you didn't file this notice. And I called them. I was like, what is this notice, this thing I was supposed to file? Then they said, that's to notify the state that you have not changed any officers. I was like, you want me to send a notice saying nothing's changed? And they're like, yeah. And you're closing my corporation because I didn't send you a notice saying nothing's changed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting you on notice. Notice <laughs> of what? Have you noticed nothing's changed? Nothing's changed. What well, is this? Well, as long yeah. as nothing's Crazy. changed, you can stay open. Thanks for putting us on notice. Yeah. <laughs> now we want our 350 bucks. Yeah, they were fining me. for To notice us that nothing changed with your... New Hampshire will be a better state by tomorrow just because you have noticed us. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the bloat of government. Mm-hmm. Well, because it, it's just... It's never ending. Mm-hmm. You know? Every federal employee for the government, I'm not saying this about the military, but what's um, that? We need we need twenty million dollars to fund this new project. Let's come up with some bullshit regulation and send it out to everybody and let them know that's been on the books for since three years ago. <laughs> They'll never know. They'll never know. They won't question it. They'll just pay it. Most people don't. I know. They just well, a lot of people don't got the lawyer. You know, they got right. money to to fight in court. Right. You know, a lot of small business mom and pops are like, well. 350 bucks, but we can't, a lawyer, just retainer fee. People do that with their medical bills. Yeah. Is they get the medical bill and they just pay it. Or they say, I can't pay it, and they just don't. I say, okay, first thing, you have to look at the bill because half the time it's wrong. And the next thing you do is you call them and you negotiate. And you say, it's a $400 bill. You say, how about 100? And they say, no. How about two? You say, okay, 200. And most of the time when I call to negotiate down an unexpected, it, it's not going to work that way when you are, have a non-emergency, you're just making or doing a regular checkup or something. It's not going to work. But for unexpected medical bills, you call them and you try to work with them. Most of the time they will bring the bill down. Mm-hmm. But most people don't know that and they don't even try. 
Right. They think they're on the hook for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> well, it's like I tell my wife, you ignore a problem long enough, sometimes it just goes away. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's... Uh, don't take my advice. No, don't. <laughs> no, I would recommend if you have an unexpected medical bill, call. Don't just leave yeah. it alone. Well, a lot of a lot of hospitals will. Um, mm-hmm. If you let it go too long, then you start getting those collection letters. And right. Then, It'll damage your credit. Yeah. So, a lot of them... I mean, even if you pay 10 bucks a month, mm-hmm. it doesn't show delinquent. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, you know, that's why I told my wife she's got some student loan debt, and I said... Well, uh, don't believe Biden because that's not going to get forgive, forgave. Um, that was bullshit. Uh, I said, but call them, set up a payment plan with them, and then offer them, say, listen, I'll give you $10 a month. I said, the first time they refuse it, that bill goes null and void. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, look into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back when we had Obamacare. And you would get fined if you didn't get health insurance. Okay, so I read the regulations on this because I, I came to the conclusion it was just too gosh darn expensive. Excuse me, I've been drinking uh, cider, so I have to I have to burp. Good. Excuse me. I'm go. trying not to burp into the <laughs> microphone. I'm sure people have heard it. Really weak. But uh, <laughs> I'll try better next time. So Obamacare, they fine you if you don't uh, get the health insurance. And the fine actually is through the IRS. So I did my research on this because I didn't want to get it anymore. And I learned that if you don't pay it, then they can't take it to a collection agency and they can't uh, seize your assets and they can't ding your credit. All they can do is take your refund, your tax refund. That's the only place where they can go to get their money back if you don't pay it. And I said, great, I'm self-employed. I never have a refund. I'm just not going to pay the fine. Mm-hmm. Every year they send me a letter. And it says, you still owe $2,600 from 2018 for noncompliance with Obamacare. And I'm like, okay, I know. And Thanks. I still get that letter every year. Thanks for the letter. I so, just I just got it send, a couple days ago. Did you send them a Christmas no. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. You're not getting anything. I Bye. did my research and I was like, they're they're never going to get it from me. And it expires after a certain period of time. I forget how many years. I sh- actually, I think I'm past the expiration. So I may send them a letter saying um, it's expired because they have to collect it in a certain period of time or it goes away. Well, uh, it was a, a bomb cure. God, I had really good insurance. I was doing mm-hmm. maintenance for uh, the Target stores mm-hmm. at the time. I had really good insurance. Mm-hmm. Really good. And... Then Obamacare kicked in, went to crap, yeah. and I know it. In some uh, sometimes, in some instances, it helped some people out. Mm-hmm. It screwed me though. Right, I went from paying uh, fifty bucks a month oh, wow. for me and my wife. That's low. Yeah, I mean with five dollar copays, everything mm-hmm. awesome insurance, and then when that kicked in, it went up to like I don't know three hundred bucks a month. The point at which I decided it wasn't worth it was when my family premium for the, my kids were living with me at the time, my family premium went up to a thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. and the deductible was 12,000. Yeah. And so I, I did the math and I'm like, okay, so with the deductible of 12,000, that means they don't pay anything until I hit 12,000. Mm-hmm. I have never in my life hit my deductible. No. So over a period of two years, I could potentially pay $48,000 in premiums and medical bills and still insurance would pay nothing. So I said, it's not worth it. 
and I let it go. And I was a little nervous because you still think, what if I get hit by a truck? You know, the, the whole million. And I was like, if I end up with a million dollars medical bills, I'm just going to declare bankruptcy. Right. Because I think it's so unlikely to happen that that's going to be my plan. Yep. And I actually, uh, I got appendicitis and I had an emergency appendectomy. Is that redundant? Aren't all appendectomies emergency? Anyway, right. yeah. my medical bills were $15,000. And I did the math and I'm like, it was still cheaper for me not to have insurance. Mm-hmm. Because over a period, like you think, I would have paid $12,000 in premiums and my deductible would have been twelve, So I would have paid twenty four, and then they would have covered four. I'm uh, sorry, three. But I still would have paid twenty four instead of fifteen. Yeah, my grandma was pretty pissed off about Obamacare. She was having to pay for prenatal care on herself. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. grandmother, mm-hmm. right? That that ship sailed a long time. ago. Oh, my mom was the same way. She's like, um, that ship sailed. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not gonna. I can get pregnant. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's, it's physically impossible to have it but happen. What, what she found out was that it wasn't. She wasn't paying for her. She was paying for everybody else. Right. Did the door? Couldn't. Was there a knock at the door? Uh, I'm sorry, I thought I heard it. We're waiting for my Matt. Yeah. He'll text me. Yeah. Okay. And see, didn't get anything from him. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Nope, I didn't. Okay. Okay. My imagination. What are you drinking? What is this stuff? This is hard cider. This is uh, Farmhouse Cider Company, and it is cinnamon and maple. It says Michigan hard cider. Buy local whenever you can. Is it pretty good? Where is that out of? It's decent. Um, I don't know. Uh, the you can read the fine print that I don't have my glasses and I cannot read you're, that. You're asking the wrong dude to read that. I don't have my glasses either. <laughs> He's always like, I lost my glasses uh-huh. and then I found them this week and they were in the dryer <laughs> in two pieces. Oh, I'm sorry. So yeah. I need reading glasses it, and it gets remarkably worse every year. I, don't, I can't read this fine print at all. No, no. Hudsonville, Michigan. Uh, so. I discovered that I can just go to like Target and they have the reading glasses and you try on a bunch of them until you find one that's good. So I'll go and I'll get some sort of over-the-counter medication to see if I can read it. I'm just looking at the fine print and I get glasses until I can read that. I have those. They're like three bucks a piece. I have them all over the house. That being said, I just stopped at the Dollar General and got my new pair. Mm -hmm. I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. You should, um, if you like hard cider, Bennett's Bennett's Orchard on Mm -hmm. uh, Concierge. Just in Ottawa Lake. Okay, it's family friends of ours. So, but oh, you get cool. glass bottles. They they do their own their own apples. Uh huh. And then brew oh, their that's own great. cider. Yeah. So, See, that's important for SHTF is having a local dealer for your alcohol. That's right. Mm-hmm. I know. And our one buddy has a distillery. He doesn't do anything with it. But he's got the set. He's done it. The brew beer, Jake. Oh, Jake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can. We can brew our beer or stuff like that. Mike. Mm-hmm. There we go. I brought the, I'm not a beer drinker. I just don't like beer. Every now and then somebody's like, well, you have to try this beer. It's really good. And I'm like, is it beer? Then I don't like it. Right. I'm sorry. I don't like beer. <laughs> well, like, do you like the, um, uh, like, craft beers or anything? I just, I don't like Nothing. the taste That's of beer. I, I like to try new things, but when people get into, well, it's, really hoppy or it's yeah it's a this type of like i have no fucking clue what you're talking about i have tried a bunch of different beers especially you know in my early 20s you're like we'll try this one try this one and i I think i tried enough different ones where i'm like i think the problem is i don't like beer well yeah wine i like wine what Mm -hmm. kind of wine do you like oh red and all the different kinds of red cabernet merlot malbec they're all good 
I'm out of, I think wine always gives me a headache the next day. I don't like sweet wine. I like it to be a little more oaky. Gotcha. Slightly bitter. Gotcha. I'm never too particular on what I drink. <laughs> I don't drink whiskey. Mm-hmm. Very rarely. Very rarely. I like a really good 12-year-old single malt scotch. Yes, I've never had scotch. See, scotch gives me heartburn. I don't know why. Huh. Even the, like the best of, because my brother-in-law drinks uh, never had really expensive scotch. The great thing about something that's really uh, pure is you're less likely to be hungover. Mm-hmm. And I read about that. Apparently, it's your liver doesn't have to do as much work if there aren't as many impurities. Right. So you actually, you'll still get the buzz, but you won't be as hungover the next day. Gotcha. Yeah. I, it I, just I, gives me heartburn. I don't I'm know why. Scotch. Andy brings over this whiskey that he. That Andy he, Borchert. Uh, from, uh, okay. Did he win, by the way? Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. I think he got in the game a little too late. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate. Because Andy would have been a great fit. Yeah. Um, Andy's such a good, I don't know if you ever met Andy. He's such a good guy. No. Yeah, really good guy. Um, if you go to a Borchert market, you'd. You'd see him, you'd probably know who he was. So. Oh, I may have. I may He's have. big, the big guy. That, anyway, go ahead and finish yeah. your story. <clears throat> he'll bring whiskey over and, and, like, he'll come do a show with us a couple times a year. And, oh. Yeah, we get messed up. But <laughs> that's doing. the only time I really drink whiskey. I mean, here and there I'll have a Captain and Coke or something like that, but uh-huh. not. I don't I don't go out of my way to buy whiskey to drink it. Right, no. right. I might have some for brother, but, <laughs> yeah, I, well, besides birthdays. Well, here's the story. Here, let me tell you why. So, I used to drink a lot of beer, and I was getting fat. And so, I told my wife, I'm like, I think I'm going to slow down on the beer. I'm kind of getting burnt out from the beer taste. I'm going to just kind of drink some, uh, like, Captain Coke. Mm-hmm. It sounded good on paper until I was drinking a fifth of Captain mm-hmm. <laughs> a night. Yeah. And one of my eyeballs would go. So, I'd walk around one eye, and then I'd tell my wife, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. And then you wouldn't see me again. I'd just go to bed. <laughs> so that plan didn't work, so I just switched back to beer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. That happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I never, well, I did drink whiskey for a hot minute in the military. Uh-huh. And then my knuckles and my face hurt a lot afterwards. So <laughs> I decided this isn't, this isn't uh, for me. I see. I was, it took me a minute. <laughs> I was like, why would you not? Oh. <laughs> Out with the boys. Well, uh-huh. and, yeah, I can regulate beer. I kind of know where I'm at when I'm drinking beer. Whereas whiskey, I haven't drank enough of it consistently enough to know when it's time to slow down. Uh-huh. I drink it like I drink beer, and you can't do that with, with, no. with, yeah. with yeah. brown liquor. You know. mm-hmm. No, it's all sudden, too. Yeah, like, beer's like a nice, gradual, slow buzz. Uh-huh. Where whiskey is like, you're like, feel fine. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're like, you switch. <laughs> At least for me. And some people can... Whiskey. I'll just you know I'll si- I'll sip the scotch over a period of a yeah, couple hours. Right. And so. Well, because it's it's you know the potency of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know when your if brain. You ever, if you ever get a chance, um, go on YouTube and look up "Party in My Stomach." I forget the name <laughs> of the comedian. He's hilarious. Uh-huh. I hate myself for not remembering his name, but if you look up "Party in My Stomach," uh-huh. you will die laughing. He explains the whole drinking. Uh-huh. But, but it's, I mean, it, you just die laughing. It's hilarious. <laughs> Party in my stomach. Well, good thing we didn't have uh, an actual uh, direction for the show tonight. Because no. I said we're like, ah, oh, we'll just go wherever we go. Oh, I so, like it, though. I yeah. like it. We do it. I don't think we've, we don't write shows. We just I know. Uh-huh. wing it. No, we didn't. Uh, uh-oh. One of us dinged. It was not me. Not me. Oh, he's here. Okay. Cool. 
Well, why don't we take a quick break? I'm going to get out of here so I can make room for everybody else, and I'm going to go home and try to get better. Okay. But I um, appreciate having you on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks for inviting me back, yeah. especially uh, without Matt, because I was like, are you sure they want me on without you? And yeah. he's like, yeah. Okay. He says, I think they really do want me. <laughs> no, both no, of you no, guys. Both of you guys yeah. are always welcome in here. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, with that being said, I appreciate you guys listening to me. I'm going to let Matt do the outro tonight, so good luck to Matt. Uh-huh. Hopefully he doesn't mess it up. No, I'll forget everything I have you it, say. I have it so. memorized, so I'm good at it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, hey, here they are. Matt is creeping in the studio. Uh-huh. I'm going to get out of here. You guys have a great rest of your conversation. And uh, beyond half of me, love you guys. This Black Cash is out. Black Cash out. Welcome back to Black Cash Podcast. Now the crew switched up a little bit here. Shane went home to get some sleep for his recover from his cold. But Laurel still here. Hi. Hi. Her boyfriend, Matt Canablo. Mm-hmm. Hello. Is here. And Alexander the Great is joining us tonight. Mm-hmm. Say hi. Hi. Alex, how old are you? Nine. Turn nine October 22nd. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. So you go to Blissfield? Um, no. No. I go to Jonesville. Okay. It's about an hour away. Yeah, I know where that's at. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a nice area out there. Mm-hmm. So, so Matt, what's up, brother? I know uh, we, me and Laurel, we were talking about, unfortunately, you guys, neither one of you won your seat, but, but your name's out there now. It is. Mm-hmm. And we've talked to several people. That we're really rooting for you guys because they're awesome. tired of the knuckleheadery that's going on in this community. So. Alex was out there helping us. Yeah, I was. I forget what it's called. Campaigning. Yeah. Canvassing. Was, yeah. Canvassing. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I was handing out flyers. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you did a good job. Yeah. But hey, the seed's out there now. Oh, yeah. So that's, I think that's the important thing. Um, even though everybody knows your last name, they don't necessarily know you. Yep. So now, like you said, you only, was it 200 some points or votes you lost by? Yeah. It was a difference of 200. So if 100 people had voted for Matt instead of uh, Eitzen, mm-hmm. then Matt might have won. Yeah. You just need like I mean, it's I mean, that's for your first, well, you ran before, right? Well, that was Time really... Before. It, it was really more for me. I was a, technically a write-in candidate, but I didn't campaign or canvas. It was really yeah. just to learn the process. Although yeah. some people did figure out that I was running and wrote me in anyway. <laughs> I did. Yeah. 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 We wrote you in. I was. I was a little surprised that as many people um, wrote me in as they as did, considering that I didn't do any campaigning. Um, I didn't write in anywhere. I didn't answer any questions. I did nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's just, it's good that. Okay, so now you narrowed that gap now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think next time around. Oh, it's on next time. Yeah, <laughs> it's on. I mean, you still got the ambitions to do that, or? Oh yeah. Okay. I I'm a marine man. Once I once know. we start something, I, I, I can't quit. It it'll nag at me until the day I die if I don't finish this out. I will complete yeah. this mission. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's where we're at. Yeah. And I think things are going to get a lot worse over the next couple of years, especially with someone like Eitzen in charge. 
He's going to keep doing what he's been doing, which is taxation and ordinances. and. Because if you actually read the advance, he says in it that he will raise taxes to people's limits. Exactly. He actually yeah. said that. Yeah. And, and who we already, we're already taxed to the limit as we are. Oh, yeah. Right. Beyond the limit, I mm-hmm. think. Well, we've met a, a bunch of people that moved out because the taxes were too high. Now, right. People on, and I, I know this because I, I'm on a fixed income. People right. on fixed incomes right now, just with the way it is and inflation, the cost of groceries and gas, you don't have the money to make it. Yeah. You can't live in Blissfield and pay taxes if you're on a fixed income. No. That's Matt, where we're at. And Matt made a, a point earlier, which was what makes Blissfield great is the people. Mm-hmm. That's why the crime rate is low is because you have people who don't commit crimes. If you chase away the people of Blissfield with high taxes, with heavy-handed uh, tactics from the police, with all these unnecessary ordinances, you will lose what makes Blissfield great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was out talking to uh, Bethany Harpst, and she's her uh, her dad. or for a long time anyway. I don't know what he still does. He used to work in the prisons. And I I would surmise that they're they're supporters of the police. Uh, um, But she asked some some pretty tough questions when I was out there. And, you know, I told her, I was like, this this was my analogy, and I think it's a pretty good one. I think it's pretty apt. I, I asked her, I was like, you go to any inner city, anywhere, anywhere in the U.S. where crime is sky high, get... 3,000 people directly out of that inner city, and you transplant them to Blissfield. Mm-hmm. Do you think the cops that we have now with the low crime rate are going to control those 3,000 people? <laughs> no. Or do no. you think they're going to have murders all over the place and all sorts of other violent crimes? Do you think that buildings are going to get burnt down, they're going to get vandalized, lawns aren't going to get mowed? I mean, everything that everybody complains about now is still going to happen. Only now you're going to have to worry about getting murdered by your neighbor too. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't chase off the good people here. Be appreciative that you have a neighbor that doesn't want to shoot you in the face and only wants to park an extra trailer in his driveway. Now, let me play devil devil's advocate here. Absolutely. So what if they, they keep the taxes high so that those people don't come here? When I say those people, I mean the riffraff. Well, Regardless of whatever race they are, I don't, you know, I'm not saying. Are, are you saying that drug dealers don't have money? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm no, I, it's seriously, in, yeah. in jest, but I am being no, serious. I know. You no, don't I know. think yeah. there are people that live in the inner city that are violent that have money. No, they do. Because that's what has happened. Well, the if, misconception is that people at inner city don't have any money. <laughs> well, they're all driving Cadillacs. So. <laughs> and, and I know they, I know they're not paying Uncle Sam yep. his money. What we see when the, a lot of people leave a community is that the housing prices crash. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And we see for sale signs, a lot of them out here in Blissfield right now. I've seen a lot of for sale signs. Now more now, yeah. Now, yeah, I think so. Uh, so if people are moving away, then the prices go down and then it becomes easier for uh, other people to come in who will have trouble paying the taxes. And if they can't pay the the taxes are based on how much income you're making or how much your property is worth. Mm-hmm. So if the property is worth less, then they won't be paying as much as ta- in taxes. You're going to lose your tax base because your tax rates are so high. Right. And then the converse of that is that you're going to lose people because the tax rates are so high. Exactly. So it's like a, a lose-lose situation. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, not really. I 
it's a lose-lose situation if you decide to raise taxes and raise regulations mm-hmm. and you chase out the people who've always lived here. And and I don't know who the people on the council, and, and frankly, I guess about half of the people in Blissfield think is going to move in. It isn't going to be the same people who have lived here forever and never commit any crimes and who are completely nonviolent. You're going to get people from the cities that move in here. Okay. Which I think it's happening. It is. We I know we got a couple neighbors that moved in on the road from Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Oh, so great. you know their politics. I won't say who they are. Well, um, it's always a question of, the, but they're getting away from that, and some people bring it with them. Well, they some they, actually they brought their politics with them. They're not violent uh, people. They're not. They're 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 going to make the same cordial. mistakes. Yeah. the same mistakes. They're going to vote for the same politics that they left. Have you ever heard the saying? Um, when you're strong, I vote for my freedom because it is with your values. Mm-hmm. When you are weak, I vote for my freedoms right. and my strength, and I take your freedoms because it is with my values. Yes. And absolutely. that's what's going to happen. They might not be violent now. No. But when they're the they're majority, all the nonviolent people here, the people that want things to stay the way they are right. are just going to be outvoted. No, and I get your I get, I get your point because you could take a small community like ours mm-hmm. and quickly change it with the mentality that's not ours. Mm-hmm. Where we'll, we'll just move further out mm-hmm. to further out in the country. Yep. Where Blissfield is like a very small community. Mm-hmm. Another possibility um, of what might happen is not necessarily that uh, undesirables would come in, but simply that the total population would decrease. Yeah. And that would cause a lot of problems with the cost of water. Mm-hmm. Where even now, worse. Yeah. It'll make the bills even worse. Yep. And you can't force people to stay. They can make these ordinances that people can't put their own uh, um, well, wells, wells on. Yeah. on their property. Would I'm against that ordinance. Yeah. You can make ordinances that people can't collect rain, rainwater, which I would be against an ordinance like that. Mm-hmm. You can't Tell make it an ordinance. That. No, you can't move away. Well... Like California. They're, they're trying hard. They're trying they? very hard. Uh, you owe us taxes for 10 years after you move out. Oh, yeah. That's ridiculous. Like, you can't. That's can't not, do that. That's not even legal. <laughs> you can't do that. You know? And then, But they're, I think that it's a scare tactic to keep people staying in the tyranny of California government. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think that's it's all it is. And if you chase people away with these high water prices. When we went around and talked to everybody and we said, we're gonna low, we want to lower your taxes and we want to lower your water and sewer bills. They immediately wanted to talk about the water and sewer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, we'd love it if our taxes went lower, but let's talk about the water and sewer. That was the number one issue. And what boggles my mind is there's way more money to be saved in lowering taxes than ever could be saved. If I, if you wiped out, completely eliminated your water and sewer bill, there's still more money to be saved oh, in absolutely. lowering taxes. And so when I'd say I want to lower your taxes, to me... You know the 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 smart man that I am. I'm like, you know, that's that's the big money, the big ticket item right there. Mm-hmm. That's the Porsche that everybody wants. Right. No, everybody's like, no, let's talk about the shit. I want to talk about the dirty water and the shit. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and and Blissville sent out a survey about what projects are important. So of course it's a no projects until the water prices are fixed, uh, and our taxes come down. How about we do this? Yeah. What, what do we do? We we need to beautify the downtown. No, it's it's 
pretty it's the lovely. way it is. It's yeah, it's the lovely. buildings the buildings are privately owned, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so if there's maintenance to be done to them, they just maintain them how they look. Don't care about wider sidewalks. We already got wide sidewalks here. Yep. Uh, we don't need any park stuff done. You're obviously um, the council or you know whatever you want to call it. You obviously don't know what the hell you're doing because <laughs> you spent two and a half million dollars on a pool. Right. I have been. I just. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's just. Well, it's completely away from the population of kids. Yeah. And, and how are all the kids from the point apartments down there on the uh, in the Joy Street apartments? Because mm-hmm. that's where a lot of the kids are. A lot of the kids that don't have a pool of their own in their own backyard. Right. Because a lot of people in Blissfield have pools in their backyard. There's Those a lot aren't over here. the people that are going to be going to the public pool. It's going to be the lower income families out in the Joy Street apartments and the apartments. Right. Um, is it is that on High Street there, down by BP? Yeah. So let's ask Alex. Would you rather go to a pool that's a block away or a pool that's like a, a long drive away? Come closer I, to the microphone. I would want to go to a pool like a block away, like mm-hmm. in my backyard. Yeah. I wouldn't want to drive, spend all of that money to go when you have a pool right in your backyard. What we used to do when I was a kid, there was a community pool. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> this is how old I am. It was 10 cents. It was 10 cents an hour. <laughs> uh, so we could, I went with my sisters. We would ride our bikes. So it was a bike right away. But we could go ride our bikes. And the, they, my mother knew that there was a lifeguard there. So we would go on our own without my mom. And we'd take our towels, and they had a locker room, and we'd go to the community house pool and, uh, and pay her 10 cents. So my mom didn't need to be there because they had a lifeguard, but it was it was a bike right away, not a drive away. The distance is important. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, regardless of the fact that the original pool was uh, placed in the worst possible place yeah. ever in a flood zone, uh-huh. that's besides the point. I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but... <laughs> There's more centralized locations that it could have been put, put uh-huh. in. I mean, originally, I mean, you, when was that pool put in? I don't know. But I don't know. there's got to be a better place right. than where it's at now and where it was originally put. That way it's not in a... Um, or just don't have one. Or just and don't I, and one. I hate to say that, but it, are you, would you rather not have a pool or would you spend $2.5 million in a pool that hardly anybody's going to use because it's in a bad place? <sighs> I don't know. Yeah. I just, I think right now at this point, and I get it. I mean, I guess if we had a huge surplus, and I don't even agree with this, my mm-hmm. my own analogy. But I think if you have a surplus, you give it back to the taxpayer. I think so, on. too. Yeah. But I'm saying, but at least you're, like, justified a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, we got, like, $3 million that, you know, and plus with some grants or something that we have this right. money. But if we are, like, in a deficit. Why are we spending money on stuff that doesn't need to be done? Mm-hmm. There's needs and wants. Yeah. Exactly. Wants right wants right now are not even a question in my who care about the, who cares about the wants. I don't care. And there's a lot of the debate needs. about need because yeah. they use the word need. Like we right. need a school resource officer. We no, need no. five right. people working at the water department. We need this. We need that. No, no, no. We need it. No, we don't. No. No, I think it's a want sh- that you just transformed into yeah need. because they know people are gonna say you said want that means you don't need it so if they use need that also makes the term they need it 
Right, exactly. They're like, oh, no, as soon as you say you want it, you admit it, it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Right. So you say, no, 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 we need it. Yeah, and that's what we're living through right now. Mm-hmm. Is, do we need wider sidewalks downtown Blissfield? No. no. I don't know. I've got pretty wide shoulders. Too, so. <laughs> <laughs> I do often have to walk behind him when we're going down the sidewalk, yeah. but I think he likes it. I do. He's like, no, get behind me, woman. Mm-hmm. Three, <laughs> three feet back. Yep. <laughs> No, six feet back, coronavirus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. I don't want to yeah, get it you It used sick. to be three feet. Coronavirus really extended <laughs> out my range. <laughs> well, I mean, when I was in uh, boot camp, I had a third hat tell us. He's like, boy, if you are not, or it was, you know, recruit. He's like, mm-hmm. recruit, if you are not closer to three feet to me, then I can't punch you. If you are, <laughs> you're going to get bloodied up. <laughs> and he did. Oh, man. Yeah. We were, uh, apparently, we were the last class that really got the hardcore treatment. When did you go through? Boot camp? Uh, 02. Okay. I was a 98. And ours would freaking, um, our punishment, this one dude screwed up. We'd come back at night after all your mm-hmm. daily crap. You know, Marines is way worse than the Navy's boot camp. But mm-hmm. we had some pretty hardcore <laughs> Mm-hmm. Pretty hardcore guys. It take we had these big books because we had to learn the history of the Navy. Yeah, part of you know like part of your day was you had to sit through a boring PowerPoint crap, and you make us hold it in our mouth, and then you start bleeding <laughs> out of your mouth because your teeth were so freaking. They since stopped that practice because <laughs> that dude ran his mouth at one of the drill instructors, whatever the hell we called them, but same thing. It's like, and we did push-ups until literally the roof rained, the ceiling rained. We pushed the racks out, we didn't call it rain, you know, and you got pushed up until so much moisture was in the air in these concrete buildings oh, wow. that it would drip moisture off the ceiling. Matt, that, I mean, Matt that was the thing. That, Matt thinks that hazing builds character. Yes, absolutely. Like, it makes you a better person. That's it, what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> it does, because it breaks you down. But it bring it. You come together a team, and the the one or two or three a holes that wouldn't comply with the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And I know this is a absolute absolute mm-hmm. opposite of what we believe now. But when you're in that situation, and when you're in situations overseas, you need that cohesion mm-hmm. of leadership, small unit cohesion mm-hmm. to get through what you have to do, and to get you be, to get beat down to that level of you're not that important right yep you're not that important by yourself but together we're very important my daughter did uh military camp or yeah she did a military camp and (laughs) they they did this uh that's not that's not hazing what's the word that i'm looking for smoking they would smoke them yeah and it's, it's when i dropped her off and she had asked to go to military camp. This was not my idea. She wanted to go. How long was the camp for? It was, uh, she was there for, I think, for four weeks. And maybe it was five weeks. I think it was five weeks. And I spent a lot of money on it. And when I dropped her off, I had to go all the way down to Alabama. Because that's where I was. And I dropped her off. And I told her how much I spent on it. And I was like, I don't want you calling me tomorrow and telling me you want to go. you got to give this a shot. So she said that first day... They were smoking them in the middle of the night. Somebody had dumped something wrong. So all of them had to put their mattresses on their backs. It was like two in the morning and run up and down the hill like 20 times. And as she was doing it, she was like, tomorrow morning, I'm telling them, call my mom. I want to go home. <laughs> and then first thing in the morning, she, she, she thought, 
I remember my mother telling me how much she spent on this. Do I want to face this for another five weeks or do I want to face my mother coming to pick me up and blowing all the money? And she was like, I think I'll stay. <laughs> so I was scarier than getting <laughs> smoked. <laughs> That's the thing. You know, I look back and uh, the first phone call you get, you know, you got your shape. You got a phone call? We got one. We got two minutes after like a uh, week into do you call our parents? And let, let, they're like, you let, let your parents know you're okay. Mm-hmm. That's some weak sauce right there. Right? <laughs> yeah. But your head shaved, your face is bleeding because they give you a old rusty razor to cut your, to shave your beard <laughs> off. So you're bleeding and you're like, everything's great, dad. Oh, I love it. They're like, my dad, my, my dad was in the military. He's like, you'll be all right, boy. Suck it up. They'll get better if yeah. you get through it, you know, like, okay. You know, but yeah, it was, once you get farther into it and you get used to the beatings, yeah, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Yeah, uh-huh. is how the saying goes, and it's true. Because once you get into it, it's like, like now, physically, I'd be devastated, but mentally, I'd be like, you know, this. I mean, I. Well, when I got done, I wanted to do it again. I was like, dude, I want to go through and be like a super recruit, like a super stud. Right. Like, you know everything, and you, you already, the mystique is gone. Now yeah. it's just like, oh, yeah, I, I can outperform everybody. Yeah. Well, you know the tricks, too. Yeah, exactly. And well, Like when we, we would get smoked, <laughs> mm-hmm. make it rain, but we always had our canteen and our belts, right? Mm-hmm. So I... Once you got used to it, you just rotate your belt around because you'd get held down, right? Yep. Down. And you didn't go up until they told you to go up. Well, once they realized that we were putting our canteen underneath our bellies, that we were wrestlers. <laughs> 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 they made us take our belts off, and we couldn't do that anymore. But it's like you just learn, like, little tricks along the way in boot camp, you know. Oh, yeah. doesn't work that way in real world, but. See, I remember uh, – I was a pretty tough kid. Went into boot camp, and, you know, we had the kids crying the first night and stuff, and I was kind of in my bed snickering the rack, you know, like snickering at them, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pansies. Yeah. But then when we finally got out to the uh, rifle range, I on my first day out in the rifle range, the first time we shot, I shot an almost perfect score, and it was game on after that. They were like, oh, he doesn't need any time. He knows how to shoot. And so they weren't, because they weren't allowed, they weren't supposed to be allowed to mess with anybody during rifle range week. Since they were not messing with anybody else, and I performed straight out of the gate, and they were like, he doesn't need any more time. So I had two or three drill instructors with me the whole time. They recruited drill instructors from the other units to help. <laughs> they they were bound and determined they were going to break me. Yeah. You know, I was like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to do any of this shit. I'm mm-hmm. going to put out... They they're never they're never gonna be able to take me down, and oh man, every every day, all day, when people were running pits, they made my partner run pits alone, and they would put the gas mask on, and then take the pasties and put them over the hole on the gas mask, so just start sucking in and out, mm-hmm. and they'd make me go and do jumping jacks and stuff, but low jumping jacks, you can't get your hands above your head because yep. you don't want to get your fingers shot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they would make me do those until I start to pass out, and then they had the two drill instructors in the back to catch me and pull the mask off, and then as soon as I came two and started like you know, slap the mask back on and repeat <laughs> when we went back to the barracks i had to fill a canteen every night 
I had to get thrashed and then squeeze my shirt out, my skivvy shirt, into the canteen and fill it all the way up. Every night. They that that broke me, man. That yeah. broke me. We were like, oh man, we were probably four days in. And that these are the barracks that are out of uh for full metal jacket, the blood red floors and everything. Yep. They, it's true. Mm-hmm. They really were. And the drill instructor's like, you know why they're blood red? That's because there ain't nobody out here to protect you. Yeah. And it was true. Yeah. You're out in the middle of nowhere out there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome. But, it, man, it was one afternoon, and it was – they were they're going to thrash, you know, PT everybody there because so, somebody did something wrong, mm-hmm. like had an extra round when they went off the range or some, something. Group punishment. Oh, yeah. I stayed up. Every single rotation, everybody got thrashed. I never got to leave. They kept me up there, and I didn't do anything wrong. Like, I hadn't done anything wrong. It was just, we're going to smoke you to smoke you, you right. know? And see, now you got me using that term, thrash. <laughs> they, they, thrash. they thrashed me. Yeah. They quarterdecked me. They thrashed me. They throttled me. Yeah. Oh, yep. What does thrash mean? <clears throat> they made me hurt. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it was punished. About, yeah, about four days in, and it was uh, the second to last rotation, and I was just like, I'm done. I'm gonna give give it all, and I'm gonna try and pass out or die, one or the other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is gonna end one way or another. Yeah. And so I started screaming. I started going all out, just all out, and just passed out right there, just mm-hmm. <laughs> funky chicken. And after that, it was over. It, You're done. I was done. Yeah. There was the I had like the rest of the weekend there that we were there. I got to do my shooting. They didn't mess with me after that. It was done. Yep. No, and and that that is what like I said, it breaks you down and but makes a good marine or a good soldier or you know whatever. Yep. It, it it does. People don't realize it once you come out of that and realize why it was done. Mm-hmm. At the time, it sucks. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it sucks. Mm-hmm. But you become, I think, if you are able, you're, you're mentally capable of, of understanding that, and then you come out and you're a better leader Um, in the long run once you get past. I think it does make you stronger. I think most of the people out there right now in our day and age are very, very weak. Well, yes, and that's what I'm going to say is like you can deal with, okay, if this hurts you, you don't know what the hell I went through, mm-hmm. you know, type thing. There's a difference between being hurt and being broke. Yeah. When you're hurt, you've got an owie. Right. I got you're a bruise. My broke. leg hurt. I got a blister. When you're broke, you got a bone sticking out your freaking leg. Right. It's bad. Well, that's the thing is when you're broke is the fact that I know how to rebuild off of this being broke because mm-hmm. I did it and yep. I became successful because of my brokenness. I decided to do something about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, put the middle finger up and said, screw you. I can do better than this. You know, I, I can grow from this. I learned from this. And when people get an owie, mm-hmm. they don't, they don't learn from that. And there's like, and they're catered, catered to, yep. you know, it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is why you see guys going over and getting blown up, living through just absolutely horrific things that the, the, your civilian, even guys that were in the military that didn't live it, it just could not fathom. There's right. absolutely no base of concept there. Mm-hmm. And 
you come back and you got these guys doing marathons and stuff, strapping on prosthetics, going out and doing marathons yeah. and, you know, lifting weights. It's the uh, mentality of the drive yeah. of I'm going to not let this hinder me, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, just I'm going to do. I refuse to be beaten. Yeah. Because I was beaten. Yep. I think, and I beat that. I think know? one of the things that used to make our country great was that people were not afraid of hardships. Yeah. And now they uh, are indignant about any kind of hardship. How I dare I experience this hardship? This is yeah. somebody else's fault. And I deserve retribution. Yes. So that, I think, uh, whole weakness has made our country weak. And will continue to. And I think we're about to experience yeah. very hard times that are going to break yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, well, the, because, go, go ahead. Because, yeah, we're going to... I've learned that we're going to go to war with Russia and China because of the leftists. Probably. Probably. Well, I think... So uh, going to snitch me out, man. Everybody's going to know <laughs> all of my true inner beliefs. <laughs> Russia, Russia was always going to go after Ukraine, and China was always going to go after Taiwan. It's just a matter of whether we were going to get involved or not. It's not because of the leftists that Russia's mm-hmm. going after Ukraine or China's going after Taiwan. It's because of the leftists that we're getting involved. Mm-hmm. But you, you've heard of the, uh, the three-generation theory, right? Yeah, the... Uh, strong men, yeah, strong weak men, men, weak men. Yeah. You know, strong men yeah. create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Hard time create good men or hard men. And we're in the mm-hmm. the fourth generation of that right now, mm-hmm. to where we're we're surrounded by weak men that are creating hard times. And it's going to take men like us to get us out of that cycle. Have you ever wondered though? Are you really as hard as you think you are? Because I got to be honest with you, man. I wake up every morning. I kind of wonder that. I do too. About him or yourself? About me. Okay. No, I think it, as I, it, I know it's not true for him. No, it's true. For me. <laughs> Some days I'm like, I care, you know, I'll be out working here and I'm like, I'm fucking breathing heavy. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, older now. I'm like, why? I'm, I why do I hurt? My knees hurt. My back hurt. Well, you carried freaking full yeah. combat load for you know jumping out in and out of trucks for how many years? But you know, I mean that body pain's there. But I like a breathe having like I'll still do the I'll I'll go down like I like the saying. You might find me dead, but you find me in a ditch front surrounded by brass. Mm-hmm. Nice. You know? Yeah. I like that saying. Because that's the truth. Mm. And my wife knows that. Um I might be old. I'm forty two. You're not old. <laughs> well, only I, w- I would be an ancient in the military. Uh, well, that's true, yeah. And you know that, too. Yeah. Um, you're like the wise old man if you're we, 42 it, in the military. Mm-hmm. At, uh, well, we had uh, a kid that was 35, and his call sign was old man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the NFL, you know. It's like yeah. you're 40 in the NFL. Like, you're just an old man. But the yeah. same thing in the military. It's just yeah. you – I know what I know – I think my wisdom will help get me through the hard times that are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, now recruiting younger men that can do more physical things at a more rapid pace than I can. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still, I'll still go out there and do the stuff. It's going to hurt me harder than that it's going to hurt them. My recovery time is going to be a little bit, but my, I don't know. And Matt, you probably can contest or... 
relate to this is that like my mentality is like I'm not going to let my body dictate what I need to do. Oh yeah. Cuz my brain will take over, my body hurts and it sucks, but I'm like I got to do it. It's got to be done. This is the mission that has to be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as much as it hurts and it might take me 2 days to recover cuz I don't, you know, but it, it is what it is, yeah. you know. It's just I think that's part of the breaking down part mm-hmm. of the the boot camp and then part of the military. You are capable of way more things physically than you what you or even mentally um than what you you even realize at oh, yeah. the end of the day. If you just put your mind to it and say screw it, I'm doing it cuz it has to be done and just do it. I don't know. I mean well, I mean there it's scientifically proven that humans have got a lot more in the tank than what we ever exert, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> a lot of that is biology. It's to protect us. Right. If all your muscles fire at the same time, you end up breaking bones and ripping joints out of place and all sorts of gnarly things. Um, yeah. And then if all your muscles, if they start, you know, going to the max, like, uh, you got guys with PTSD and even people, uh, bodybuilders and stuff, uh, people, marathon runners, people who are extremely fit will get cramps sometimes that are so bad where it actually rips a chunk of the bone, tears it clean off, yep. takes it with it. Yeah. You know? I've so, had leg cramps where I felt like that was happening. Yeah. I'm no athlete, but Shin splints suck. So, yeah. But that, that just goes to show. We, we have a lot more in the tank. Mm-hmm. And if you only use a fraction of that extra and nobody else is, Whew, you're superhuman. Yeah, compared to everybody else. Yeah. You know. Um, you heard about that guy that he had uh, a boulder fall on him? Yeah. And it was like, what was it, like over 2,000 pounds or something. It was mm-hmm. like two or three tons. And he bench pressed it off of his chest. This is the adrenaline. one. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, so but it, it tore yeah. like all the, ripped all the, his pectoral muscles, ripped them straight off of his breastplate and everything. But isn't it amazing the strength in the human body? Oh, yeah. That, that's, it's the, incredible the unreleased potential of what humans could be. Oh yeah. You know, I don't know where that goes or where it comes from. I mean, I don't know if it's like, just, it's survival. I mean, yeah, you've well, seen some of that and we're yeah. both paying the consequences. My knees are shot. Yeah. yeah. But my dad, his knees and his back are fine. He brags about it all the time, <laughs> but he also brags about the fact that he's never helped any one of his friends move anything his entire life. He hasn't, he hasn't physically worked hard like we have. He hasn't pushed himself like we have. Right. And if you, if you have, then, then you know it because you feel it like we do. Yeah. No, I know. I get up more and I'm like, oh, my lower back. Oh, I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm too young to be feeling this Oh, way. she'll reach over and she'll, she'll go ahead and touch my lower back and just feel all the ripples can, all the way I up. And she's like, the, oh, uh, it's so bad. I know. That's how Leanne is too. Yeah. She'll get on my, oh, my God. Yeah. But Everywhere. he can't fool me because he's like, baby, my back hurts. Can I give back rub? I'll roll my hand over. Like, you don't have any knots. <laughs> you're fine. He's like, it's kind of sore. I'm like, you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't mind the mountains that you're going over. Yeah. <laughs> so she'll dig in. I'm like, that's why I got the hot tub, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah. Just to get in there, sit in the jets and just like. No, that's I, why I like a good hot shower. It makes my muscles feel better. And then yeah. he gets in the shower. He's like, ah, it's too hot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> before I met her, I was on the um, cold shower trend. Yeah. 
I would take cold showers every morning. Good for your muscles to have. Let nice me tell spot. you what that that'll wake you right up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. And that and she likes hot showers. I get in. I I feel like my skin's melting off, man. I I like a lukewarm. I like it as hot as I can stand it, mm. right on my back. <laughs> no, that's the way I am. You like it hot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because one time um, I think that's because we had to go so long without any hot showers. Yes, we're used to it. Do yeah. you, do your back muscles hurt sometimes, Alex? Yeah. Sometimes I remember <laughs> one time. Um, dad, dad and I would take showers together. You you were really little back yeah, then. Very, yeah, very very little. Uh huh. And he would be like, "You want me to show you some magic?" And I'd be like, "Yeah." He would turn it down like as cold as he wanted it. And I'd be like, "Oh, this is killing. I'm. <laughs> this is cold." And he would be like, "Yeah, but wait for it." And a few minutes later, I'm like, "This is super warm now." I'm like. I was like, it's magic. Uh huh. You You're get magic. used to it. You get used to how cold mm-hmm. it is. I'm a magician. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't work on me. I'm like, it's too cold. I'm getting out. Like, no, babe, it's magic. No, it's not. It's cold. <laughs> I know. I well, the the whole thing. Uh huh. I don't know. They're talking about having shortages of natural gas. Propane. I was talking about the fact that okay, now we have heat because we have the um, the wood burner. Yep. But our water is heated by the natural gas. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we can heat up a bucket of water on there, but it's not going to go through the shower. We're going to have to figure out a way to use that in the shower. I had been looking previously at a camping pump so you like pump it so you have a bucket of water mm-hmm. and then you pump it with the shower and you can just go in your in your bathtub and do it so we, i might get one of those just so that if we needed to matt's shaking his head no but if we needed to then we could heat water on the stove and do it that way if we needed to we'd get a radiator and plumb in some copper piping over to the uh so pipe yeah, <laughs> yeah. so right. natural let it do itself yeah yeah, I, I'd I'd plumb it right into the uh, our, our, um, okay. our water tank that we have now. Mine oh, is yeah. a simpler we just, solution. Well, yeah, short term. What is it? Convection? Convection? Con- I don't know. They have some physics principle. You put that you does. wrap the copper around like your stovepipe that's going out to you know because that's hot. Uh-huh. Oh no! I just grab a radiator, man. You know you ain't got to complicate it. No, that ain't complicated. Go down and go down and and to the junkyard. And grab a radiator mm-hmm. off of any heavy duty diesel. Well, we're not, we're not and then plumb it up, right? Set it right next to the stove. Oh, and then and then you let, let the radiator circulate. do its work. You know well, what I mean? Yeah, the hot water is going to circulate yep. itself. Yeah, yep. that's the, the whole same thing. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You take copper tubing and you wrap it around your uh, stovepipe that's going outside because it's mm-hmm. hot still. Yeah, but that's. That's that actually requires work. I want to just know. go and pick up a radio. Come on, Marine. <laughs> Come on, Marine. Yeah, we don't have any money. It. That's that's what I we know. do. We find junk and we make it work. I know. Very true. Yeah. That's what CB Zoo too. So he, I know. He, I love you guys. You guys are awesome. He takes a pile of metal and then makes it into a quad. I did. I did that. Did you? Yeah. And nice. it looks super nice. Cool. <laughs> super duper. When it's not broke. No. The rear axle came loose and the chain spun up and got into the casing and the wiring harness and you don't have yeah. that. But, you know that on bigger jobs. But he <laughs> instead of using that one right now, he 
That one's on hold, and he's using another one. When yeah, we got a lot of four-wheelers in the garage. Yes. Yeah, we have around four, probably. Yeah. How many of them work right now? <laughs> Do we have five? I, I think, yeah. Okay. Does mine work? What is Which one? <laughs> no, like mine, the red one. Then, then <coughs> um, have you fixed it yet? Just to, like... I've been keeping your dad pretty busy. We have lots of other stuff fault. too. It's my yeah. fault. I'll take responsibility. I, I would do that. Yeah, you would. But see that when the when he and I are less busy, we're hoping to be less busy this winter. He's going to work on his quads, and I'm going to work on a book that I've started. It's a different sort of collapse. So, so for the collapse series that I did on the YouTube channel, it begins with the premise that we have a sudden catastrophic event, grid down. And yeah. everything when the electricity Let's stops working. Oh, okay. But uh, Matt and my son have convinced me that um, the catastrophe that we're facing is going to be a lot more slow motion than that. Mm-hmm. So I started to think about if it's slow motion, what do we think it would be? And I started going over it in my head and coming up with a story. Financial is a big part of it. That's not the only part of it. Uh, some of it is just government becoming more authoritarian, elections having less integrity, and then over a period of maybe five years, getting to the point where the Democrats have packed the Supreme Court and put the Speaker of the House as the president and very and getting to the point where they're, we're never going to come back. Very all plausible. Yes. Um, so that is sort of where the story goes and we're kind of five years from now where things are falling apart, but it's not really grid down. The country's just much more divided. In fact, there, there's, um, physical lines of division where the government that's in power beyond this line doesn't really have control. Well, this book's going to write your it write itself for you. Yeah, I got to get it done. So this I ran into this problem with my collapse series. Is, is actual real world events have gotten ahead? I know. Of me. I was waiting. Where's the next <laughs> series? I'm like, ah, I I went all the way through it. Yeah. Like, What's yeah. the next one? Like, oh, you people keep asking me that, and I'm like, I think we're kind of already off of that trajectory. So I want to write the the book, and that's what I'm going to be working on with the project. But uh, it, it's the same sort of exercise that I did with the collapse series is, okay, if we begin with grid down, how do things unfold in the weeks and months following that? Mm-hmm. And um, I've gotten some people who are like, I disagree with this trajectory, but most people have said that it, it makes a lot of sense. And in fact, we started seeing some of the events that I predicted already happening. Mm-hmm. So I'm part of why I think that it was... Uh, that I've, I've hit a certain degree of accuracy is me just thinking, okay, if this happens, what happens next? And thinking everything through. And I think that this new book that I'm working on is going to be a lot of that as well. Of We get to the point where the Democrats have taken official control of the U.S. government, and maybe they do have control yeah. of the coast, but they've pretty much lost control of the middle of the country. And um, the lines of division are along the mountains. There's one line along the Appalachians and one along the um, the Rockies. Rockies, yeah. And everything in between, they keep trying to retake control, but it's it's a lot more anarchy within the middle. No, I mean, it's good. I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, those are going to be pockets, obviously. Yeah. Like our yeah. small pockets in every state is going mm-hmm. to be fighting hellishly. Uh-huh. Against, I don't know. I mean, who knows? 
because this is like uh, unprecedented. Before, you know, you always say the Mason-Dixon line, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the, the cross between the Civil War, the original Civil War. Um, I don't know. And, and I, I always prepared for, you know, a sudden snap mm-hmm. EMP. You know, okay, good to go. We know where we're rolling to, you know. It's like, but the slow, drawn-out, methodical process of our collapse is how do you you know it's like but it gives us time to get more stuff and it is more like boiling the frog because you're yeah. like wait are we in it now is it coming or we is are it already it. started i think we're in it yeah i don't know if you guys agree uh, no i think we are i think it's already begun if our media was actually honest mm-hmm. we would know about that so but, here's a well, question when did it us, start but every other looking at it you under, know oh, I, under pie bush Second, you think? I think slowly the divide started slowly there. Obama amplified it. Trump, I don't think he really tried to amplify it, but I think because the left got so far left that Mm -hmm. they just decided that we're going on that divide. I don't know. That's Mm -hmm. my opinion. What's your thoughts? I think it started with Clinton. Yeah, I think Clinton. But also, since it's been gradual, it's I, hard to pick a point. Go ahead, I, honey. Well, I think for the Democrats, this has been going on since 1889, is it? Yeah. I think that's, man, going to get on there and correct me. Somebody that actually <laughs> knows their history. But yeah, as I know the history, the Democrats, what was the Democratic Party at the time, got together over Christmas. And back then, everybody had, like, horse and carriage. So they would take a month off and everybody would go home for Christmas and then they'd come back. Well, they left a delegation of Democrats in D.C. <clears throat> they started a session in Congress without any of the Republicans there and then illegally passed the, uh, the bill that legalized taxation that allowed them to first start taxing the U.S. citizen. Because before that, the U.S. government was not able to tax U.S. citizens. They were allowed to tax corporations. But it's pretty clear, if you go back and read all of our founding documents, that the founding fathers thought that there was a trade between your labor and compensation for that labor. And the government didn't have a right to tax you on your labor. Otherwise, that's slavery. They're going to tell you that you have to work for them, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in one foul swoop, the Democrats were able to do away with that, and that allowed the government to have more power. Once they have more power, they started centralizing and building all of their different systems. So I guess the great divide started a long time ago. It did. Um, recently... Republicans were too stupid to know they've that always it was been, going on. They've always been too stupid. They laid well, dollar short all so the time. All the time. Looking yeah. at it, you know, a lot of the things that are happening now actually began, began a long time ago. So you think, well, when did we get into sort of the situation we're in now? If there's always things afoot, where's the tipping point where it becomes a problem? Right. There's always going to be crazy people with crazy ideas. But then those at some point, some of those ideas become prevalent where's the tipping point where it's just some crazy people versus now there's a lot of people saying that. Um, 
and it's hard to say. I think when we hit that. Well, you mean you can look at you can look back the history of civil war or mm-hmm. our civil war. Um, it technically started like twenty years before it actually kicked off. Mm-hmm. Can I? Ask you look you? at all the. Go ahead. Go ahead, Al. Why? What do taxes even go forward to? Why yeah. do we even need taxes? We're trying to figure that out. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of things. He's that might kid. be a longer discussion later yeah. on, sweetie. Yep. But you you look at you know this the slow drawn out. Um, I mean, it was was it World War One? France Ferdinand. Yeah, the assassination. But that that yeah. they say that was the kickoff. That wasn't the kickoff. That, that was, was the just triggering the, event. That was just the. Lighting of the freaking mm-hmm. debt cord. Well, you had right? the Franco-Prussian Wars before that, yeah. and that this is just an extension. And the and yeah. the 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 Franks and the Prussians had been mm-hmm. going back and forth for what was it, five hundred years? I don't know. I read some stuff on how did we get into Vietnam and the stuff I read. So it starts in the forties and the fifties, and I'm like, well, that's not when the war started. And they're like, yeah, but the events leading up to it. Yeah. So well, it I think goes and, way back. And I think we're living through this historic time right now. Mm-hmm. We are. I think we are. And the fact of the matter is, is that nobody wants to realize that we're doing it. Because I know at the same time, during the Civil War, people went and had picnics. Yeah. And wa- watched, like, they're like, this, nothing's going to happen at mm-hmm. this first battle. Well, and then it happened. Think like, about oh. this. Um, yeah. <clears throat> the, the Franks and the Prussians, the Germans, mm-hmm. had been fighting each other for hundreds of years. And they'd been going back and forth. Sometimes Franks would win, sometimes Prussians yeah. would win. It just depended yeah. on what century you were Battles in. Battles here and yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, the Germans went in with a little bit better technology this last time Way and mopped out. them up good, yep. right? Yep. And, uh, you know, the French, they didn't want to participate. They didn't, you know, when the Germans went in, they were like, we, we want to find all the warriors here. And they're like, we aren't going to participate. They're like, okay, we'll kill everybody. Yeah. And well, and then, you know, the UK, the Brits, uh, they wanted to get in, and then Churchill, you know, he was a megalomaniac. Mm. Dude, it, <clears throat> he was it, not a good person. I've, I've quoted Churchill before you got here. I quoted him twice tonight. I was like, it's Churchill night, so you're just continuing Churchill night. He yeah. has a different opinion of Churchill. I think I think Churchill was it was a megalomaniac. He was a, he was a hor- he was a sociopath. He was a truly horrible person. He knew what was happening, and he did everything he could to draw innocent countries that had nothing to do with it into it. Yeah. And if he hadn't done that, then they every other war had ended because they just ran out of funds. And as soon as they brought the U.S. in with all of our funds, look at what it did. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of more strong, healthy, able-bodied men died because of that. And this is the cream of the crop of our civilization. We cut the top 10% off of our population for what? Nothing. What? Like, what did anybody get from this? I I, I have yet to, for anybody to explain to me what any country anywhere in the world got from this. Other than Israel. I mean, yeah, Israel got everything they wanted. Well, yeah, exactly. They got um, their own country. They got their own country, and they had another country fight for it and brutalize the Palestinians for that. Well, and we have the same, you know, um, figure, I guess, on our side. Reagan, right? Yeah. Same thing. Great speaker. Mm-hmm. Talks really good, has really yeah. good speeches, but what's what's the outcomes of his uh, decisions? Yeah, it, yeah, a lot of bad things. And, and I, I've often wondered this. Everybody's like, Oh, and um, and Reagan, oh the Gipper, the Gipper, and it's like, yeah, the the same guy who passed 
the assault weapons ban. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the same guy In who California, wanted to take yeah. over yeah. our guns. Yeah. I. Yeah. It's the thing Come is, on. you know, everybody wants, like I said, when we were talking earlier with Laurels, you know, it's it, it's a cult or, you know, a, a, what'd you call it? Not a cult, but um, tribe. Tribe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I so, don't know. So, I mean, everybody's on their own little tribal islands right uh, now. And we're more divided. Our, like, our islands are getting farther and farther apart right, right now. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it is a, a recipe for civil war. Mm-hmm. To where you believe that the other person, even though they're American, are so evil that you're willing to kill somebody for that. And it just blows my mind that, you know... How do we? How did we get to this point? But I, but I also realize this fact because I live in reality is the fact that the media is doing it and uh-huh. our government's doing this mm-hmm. because the, the is, if we're divided, they can control us. So and I, if we're fighting, if we're fighting mm-hmm. down here at this level, when they're sitting up there in an ivory tower, they're like, mm-hmm. "Ha ha! Look at these idiots down here. We're just controlling. They let them do them stupid things down there." But once it gets to their level, uh-huh. then they're gonna be like. Um. Okay, we got to do something about it, and they're going to do something catastrophic. They're going to at some point. So I think yeah, I was just looking this up. I think one of the things, like, if I had to pick a moment where I think our current sort of state of affairs began, and nothing ever starts without a precedent before it, but there is the, this article in um, some professional publications, university publications. It was the white privilege article. It's like unpacking the invisible backpack, something like that. It was written by a women's studies uh, professor and she describes white privilege. And I think it was, I think that was the beginning of the current, sort of state of affairs was the vilification of white people, especially white men. Not just we need to help these other minorities, we need to fix mistakes that have been made in the past, but this concept of white people, especially white men, are actually evil. The vilification sets up, oh my God, they're trying to destroy us. Then that is a very different paradigm from let's help minorities. Mm -hmm. Well, this is... That's and femi- that was 1989. Yeah. I just checked. That's feminism. Yes. Yeah. It was a feminist article. Yeah. Feminism actually spawns from Marxism. Yes, it does. Now, <clears throat> yep. um, Marxists, long, long, we're talking like back World War One era, right? Mm-hmm. Early 1900s. They, their first attempt at infiltrating and overthrowing the U.S., you know, through political means, of course, mm-hmm. not, not through war, but through... Is sociological, political, college, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We see we're, that we're getting there. Now. Yeah. So the Marxists, they're in their first attempt. They didn't fully understand the U.S., and that's the number one thing. You, you in order to fight effectively, you have to understand your enemy. You have mm. to know him better than you know who yourself. You have right. to love your enemy. Once yep. you truly love your enemy, you can destroy him. Yep. Uh-huh. Art of war. Yep. yep. Thank you. And. <laughs> So they because they didn't fully understand it, they thought that they could take Marxism as it was and directly carbon copy and institute it in the US. But we aren't based on that. No. Everybody looks at the rich and says, I want to be like them. I can be like them. I'm gonna work hard and I'm gonna become rich. Mm-hmm. So the their class their classist ideology of Marxism didn't work here, right? 
they had an epiphany. They said, oh, they aren't classists, but they sure are racists. Mm -hmm. We can turn them against each other. Yeah. And that's what they did. Yeah. And initially it didn't work. They initially, they went after the men. And black men outwardly and openly rejected it. They said it that was insane. It was an insane ideology. They made absolutely no inroads. Where they first started making inroads is when they said, I get it now. We can turn the whites against the blacks. And then once we do that and we get them fighting and we get the government to have some power to control that, then with that power that the government now has, we can tell all women, we'll help you. We'll be your daddy. Yeah. We'll give you everything you want. You need money? We got you. You need medical care? We got you. You want somebody to take care of your kids? We got you. Not only do we got you, we're going to force that delinquent guy. We're going to force him. We're going to turn him into a slave and force him to give you everything he's got. Yeah. And that's what you see when you look around. You look at the inner cities. They did it to the black communities first. The Marxists. Oh, yeah. They got the black women to turn their own black men in. I know. And you look at the at the, the rates of black men in prison. I know. And everybody's wondering why. It's like it doesn't take a rocket scientist. <laughs> they told us what they were doing. They if you just open up your doing. ears and listen, they, they always, already told us. They always tell us what they're doing. And but, but then if if you actually s- repeat what they're saying, yeah. mm-hmm. you're a conspiracy theorist. Right, right. Yep. It's like, but that's on video or on audio. Uh-huh. Have you ever heard of Yuri Bezmenov? Yeah. Yep. No, I haven't. Uh, uh, the Russian. All uh, the famous uh, yeah. people have heard of Yuri <laughs> Bezmenov. Well, for the sake of the audience, can you uh, refresh our memory? Uh, Yuri Bezmenov was a Soviet-era spy uh, with the KGB, KGB, and he actually defected to the U.S. and then became a professor in the U.S. And the the, the one speech which I'm referencing is is very famous. I would encourage anybody that is currently listening to go and look up Yuri Bezmenov. Mm. You don't even have to get the spelling right. Just get it close and Google it. They'll come up with the answers. DuckDuckGo or... Whatever yeah. the other ones are that will actually get Bing. you the, yeah, Bing or yeah. whatever. But yeah, I, I, everybody, everybody needs to go out there, and it's it's like a half. We're hour not live long. right now. We're recording, but, but you'll be out tomorrow. You, you get but, what I'm saying. Yeah, everybody, everybody needs to go and look and watch that. It's a half an hour long. I promise you, it will be one of the best half an hours you spend in your wake entire you life. It'll it wake is you up. Going to open your eyes because it is literally happening right now. It is. We're at we're at the fourth stage of what he was talking yeah. about everything that he said was gonna happen 40 years ago he said was gonna happen because it, the left everything has happened plays the long game yeah yeah to where like we and we talked about this earlier mm-hmm. for matt was here but um because we're like live let live just mm-hmm. we don't organize we don't group together i mean we'll group together like in small communities as far as like little stuff but as far as like the left, they want the the, the whole city to think the same way. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, just they're 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 groupthink. I guess is what I'm thinking. You know, or, or trying to say they're like a groupthink minded. 
if you don't believe what we think, you then, have to be destroyed. Then you have to be destroyed. Uh, well, we're the, like, I don't care what you think. This is, you know? I mean, th- they have advantages. We have advantages. That is their one of their advantages is they are more cohesive. Mm-hmm. One of our advantages going into this conflict is we know more about them than they know about us. Mm-hmm. They are actually pretty clueless about us because they've said we're the enemies. We don't know anything about you. They censor us. And that prevents us from uh, being anything that they would ever watch. Like, we on the right, we, we see mainstream media, we can't avoid it. It's all part of pop culture. As much as we don't like to, we know exactly what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. We've heard of all of their heroes, and we've heard of the movies, even if we haven't seen them. Okay. They don't know anything about us because they don't watch any of our social media stuff. They don't watch our YouTube channels. They're we're not represented in the in um, pop culture anymore. Don't read the blogs or so. Yeah. We have that advantage that they just don't understand us, but we understand them. It's like what Matt was saying earlier. You have to love your enemy in order to defeat them. Well, we don't necessarily love them, but we do know them. Yes, and they don't know us. And well, I think no, we have to use. You're that. wrong about that. What? We do love them. Because they're members of our family. We love people. Mm-hmm. You know, we want everybody to be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We want everybody to live the best life that they can. Mm-hmm. And it's because of that that we know them mm-hmm. and we love them. Yeah. It's when somebody does something, you can love somebody. You know, everybody, well, most people love their mom. Yeah. But your mom comes at you, 12 gauge, shoots you in the leg, then shoots you in the arm, and then the other arm. How long are you going to wait before you decide to take that gun from her? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You love her. Before she shoots you in the second arm, I hope. I mean, you love yeah. her. Yeah. But <laughs> but at, at some done. point, there's, yeah. you know, you got to stop. Yeah. Nobody wants to turn against their fellow man. But when your fellow man is enslaving you, everybody's going to reach a point at, at some point where they're like, enough is enough. Yeah. I mean, there's a, that red line that's going to, everybody has a red line. See, Mm -hmm. the Democrats, though, they're different from us in that we believe, I believe, that if I give you the tools for you to be successful and I help you, that eventually you'll see me struggling in some way and you will have an invaluable set of skills that will help me in a way that I can't help myself and in a way that nobody else could help me. The rising tide raises all boats, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what that's, that term means. Right. You help one person and it helps everybody. Right. And the Democrats, they don't feel that way. No. They feel like what's yours is mine. Right. Anything that you make, you can keep what you absolutely need, but all the extra... Belongs to everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, no, it doesn't belong. They say it belongs to everybody. But they think it, it, belongs it belongs to them. To them. It belongs right. to them. Uh-huh. That's what and it every comes down to, every yeah. single one of them, they aren't angling for everything to be everybody's. They're angling to be a Nancy Pelosi's mm-hmm. or Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton's seat or uh, Chuck Schumer, where they're holding all the strings of power, where they can talk to their husband and make trades that even the best traders on Wall Street. Can't Warren make. Buffett. Yeah. When you have, yeah, Nancy Pelosi making better Paul trades. Pelosi has made more. I know. As a percentage, more money than Warren Buffett has. Yeah. And he's done less. This is off pure trades. Warren Buffett nah. made his money nothing selling out the U.S. S- nothing to see here. Warren Buffett, yeah. essentially, he would go in and buy old companies, machining companies. 
and then he would take the machines, the dyes, and sell them to foreign countries. That's really how Warren Buffett made a lot of his money, selling out the U.S., the same way that Mitt Romney does. I know. You know? That's I, the thing. These mother, yeah. these mother effers <laughs> are selling out our country. Yeah. I think it's The sold. profit of themselves. Mm-hmm. And the majority of Americans are like, well, I don't know what's going on. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, everybody wonders why you got to go to China to get anything, you know, produced. It's well, we sold them all of our machines, right? All, all of the dyes. The the money is really in the dyes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And when you sell all of those dyes to make bigger machines, right? You sell the really re- machines that are the size of a building, mm-hmm. right? Presses and stuff. Yep. Forges. Stamps. Yeah. Yeah. And. Th- what when when you don't have a machine to make a machine to make a piece to you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, the oh, yeah. whole system falls down. And so we sold some dies, we sold big machines, and now we don't have the equipment or the tooling to be able to make the new machines. We basically have to start from scratch. We've reset it ourselves, and we don't. <clears throat> unfortunately, we don't have the. Um, Fortitude of, or not fortitude, but like the the drive of younger generations of Americans actually want to redo that to make our new. I think we do. Guys. I think I we know. do. I don't know about. I don't you, think it's on a higher level, is what it used to be. I think it is. I, I don't think it's. I think they're it. regulated I, out of. I the went around and I talked to the people in this town. Yes. I know. Okay, I get. I that. I think that that. We're talking about on the individual level, and that's what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about on the yeah. big on the big scale. Okay, I'm talking about on the individual level, the individual person. If you remain remove all the obstacles, all the intrusions, and all the assistance, and these <laughs> people are me. going to go out and they are going to do amazing things. But and I agree with you on that. Yep, I do. But it's all the stuff in front of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And who does that? The government, mm-hmm. the yep. media. Um, That's why I ran for office. I know. If we can get some of that stuff out of the way and allow people to really pursue the things to be themselves, them, yeah, to be themselves, yeah, do what you want to do, you know. And unfortunately, they're lied to. There, you know, and you can get underwater basket weaving, and you know. And and go make hundred thousand dollars a year. No, that's not how it works. Because your degree only pays twenty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So why you spend a hundred thousand dollars a year on a degree that means nothing? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, it's been a big lie. In this day, and and the age, government's been part of it for a long time. In this day and age, uh, a lot of it is that people are afraid to fail because of the stigma behind failing. And when my son, when Alex fails. I try and go over he does. how he failed, what happened, and how we can fix it the next time. And I told him, you should never be ashamed of failing. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I lost the election. I'm not ashamed that I went out there and tried. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. If you never fail, then you've never, ever tried anything. Right. Yeah. Yep. You actually have to get out there and fail. And the mark of a man, you know, the, the worth of a man is measured not in how many times he succeeds, mm-hmm. 
Well, it's measured in how many times he fails and tries again. Mm-hmm. You fail and you get up, and yep. that's what makes a man a man. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you fail and you lose and you give up, that's yeah, it. you're weak. Yeah, you're a wimp. <laughs> the first when I another another thing when I was in the service, um, the first the very first time I got in trouble. First of many times. <laughs> the first, <laughs> that's a true story. <laughs> it happens. I had uh, one of my senior Marines, he he had been in a whole bunch of trouble too. And uh, he told me, he's like, everybody's going to remember this the rest of your life. You'll never be able to get away from it. Don't ever try and hide from it. You don't have to be proud of the fact that you got in trouble. Don't run from it and don't be afraid of it. Yeah. You're and, a Marine. Well, he's... Nobody's ever going to forget that. The one thing that will offset that is all the good that you did. Mm-hmm. Because people will always remember the bad thing. Oh, but yeah. when they remember the bad, they're going to be forced to remember all the good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's and the truth. So if you if you fail and then you give up, that's it. Yeah. You, you, you're done. You're done. That's it. You gave up on yourself. Yeah. So and, and everybody is going to remember yet. that. They're going to remember that one failure, and that's all they're going to see is that one failure, the screw-up. And they'll never have the opportunity to see all of the amazing things that came after. If you give up on yourself, no one's going to see the opportunities that you could have produced for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I had one buddy said, you know, never, I was young, you one or two. I said, I can't do that. He's like, don't ever say that. Because mm-hmm. many men came before you and did that. Soon as you give up on yourself, you're done. I'm mm-hmm. like, I took that to heart. I'm like, well, guys did it before me. I'm gonna, I can do it too, you know. And we always joked about with Master Chiefs in the Navy, like there ain't one Master Chief without a DUI. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the DUIs is not awesome. It's awesome I the know. fact that they had a DUI yes. and they were still in the service. Yes, because in the Marine Corps that would have happened. <laughs> I know. It's like a prerequisite for to be master chief like well, and uh, i wasn't in the navy i don't you know i know i've but heard about the master chiefs and yeah. and the way that you know the petty officers and the master chiefs and stuff how they interact with the lower grade soldiers it um it's brotherhood i, I don't know what else to say about it and it's different it seems like it's much different than any other service um yeah i mean it's it's pretty Almost like a father figure. Yeah. The mass yeah. chief's like the father, yeah. the grandfather, really. Because you got chief, which is your daddy. Then you got the master chief. The senior chief's got like, yeah, whatever. The older brother. The senior chief's like, whatever, senior. Master chief said do this. I don't give a shit what senior says. Mm. Sorry, my mouth. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like in the CBs, it's, we're small unit leadership. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're training with the Marines and that was awesome. Um you know how it is, you know, your platoon, you know, your your uh fire teams. Uh, you know, it's like it's just I think that was closer knit than the fleet side. Just because we're we're literally like fire team, you know, uh squad platoon. I mean, because everybody knew they're each other and mm. knew how. When you get into the big navy, it's nobody knows really knows each other. Just they know that they're in this whatever, you know. And so I don't know. 
But they, I mean, I don't know. I think everybody respects in the mil in the Navy is you know, once you get to E seven, there's a because they're like salty old dogs. Yeah, and they don't give a crap, and they will tell an officer off without any fear of getting in trouble. I don't know how it is in the Marines. I've been around a bunch of Marines, like oh, like Master Guns. Mm. Those guys are badasses. E nine, you got an E nine, and it's like in low level officers are yeah. like, okay, master guns. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you got a master guns, like a master guns in the Marine Corps is you know like God on earth. Yeah, and the, an officer wouldn't even go up and talk to him. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like, what what do you have to say? What wisdom do you possibly have to impart upon this man? Right. You are taking up his valuable time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I've only, I literally only met two uh, Master Guns in my entire career. Really? And both times, well, they're that rare. I know. They really are. I was, uh, we're out building a uh, shadow range out in Iraq. Okay. Uh, gun range for the Marines. And we had a Master Guns out there. I don't That's know. Awesome. I don't know if he just, because he was like. They just show up when they want. I know. Man. We're on a platoon or a plateau and we're fresh camp. Mm-hmm. Nothing out there. We're out there. We go out there first, start getting everything set up. Rains come out. And uh, we set all the tents up and start building you guys swat huts where we slept in GP mediums. <laughs> Vietnam era tents. And uh, Rains are sleeping fancy. And we're out getting snow. Her getting uh, uh, sandstorms blowing through our tent. But um, Master Guns was like, I got he got that per- big percolator coffee. We had a generator for him. <laughs> and he'd be like, he wouldn't even tell his Marines. He'd be like, guys, come in here. I got some coffee for you in the morning. I'm like, oh, awesome. I don't think you drink rippets. Because I'd always get up, because I was the leader, and uh, I don't have to drink a rippet in the morning. Because I'd get up like an hour before all my guys and go out and sit in the middle of no- and just stare out at nothing. But, yeah, he he was a God, that dude was awesome. He's a big dude. He's like 6'4". We always dipped the instant coffee. Yeah. Because we didn't have coffee makers <laughs> I or know. anything. And well, cold stupid. coffee sucks. You just take MRE it, stick it in your lip like a MREs suck because that little heater never worked half the time. Oh, that's because you weren't using them right, bro. Yeah, I did. No, you weren't using them. Yeah. Well, you get one that works great and another no, one that no, works no, like no. crap. Son. Son. You don't know how to I use ain't. them. Okay, let me let me tell you. Okay, okay I'm, I'm breaking it down for you. Send it. Okay. First, you, you got the bag. Take mm-hmm. the bag and you stretch it out, right? Yep. Not not stretch it, but you un, un, unfold <laughs> it. You unfold the bag, and then you take said bag. Yes. And you place it on a nice, smooth, flat surface. Mm-hmm. And then take out all your rage on that bag and just smash it up as hard as you can, right? Yep. Smash the heating element good and good and proper until yep. it's powder. Yep. Once it's powder, take your main meal out. Mm-hmm. Put your main meal in, right? And then take whole thing. Put it back into the main meal pouch. Fill with water, but just a little bit. Not too much. No, you can't do too much. I just know. a little bit. Yep. Fold it under. Put it right in there. Oh, you can't go wrong, man. No. I, I have never had one fail. I had several. Well, they were giving you substandard MREs. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are the bastard children of the Navy. So well, we, we're, we're under the Marine Corps. The CBs are like. 
I don't even know who the hell these guys know. are. I don't know how that can, how that can be. <laughs> Nobody knows who we are. I, I didn't. I know who the CBs are. Well, only select Marines know who the CBs are. Well, the, the, there's yeah, a lot of Marines. The, the select Marines on the front lines that actually had the CBs do stuff for them. I know. <laughs> I know. All right, we're going. We're two hours and forty five minutes. Let's call it a night. All right, what it's a night. Out? Alex, you want to say uh, your piece? Wait, before we head out, do you think um, I I really want to get together a local group of guys, okay. guys like me and you, mm-hmm. you and I, is it you and I? Like yeah. you and me. Like you and me. Man, I was looking for She's the educated one. It, it's a it's an object of a preposition. <laughs> there you go. Just <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah. Oh, I'm just like shoot marine shoot gun. But but that's what I I wanted to get a whole bunch of guys that are warriors, fighters, Mm -hmm. not necessarily guys that were in the military, but guys that have that mindset that actually, if something went down, that they would step up. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to start getting all those people together in the town. This is a small town. Yeah. I probably should do that. Yeah. And the way things are going. Well, it's not even just about that, but. Um, you have to have a, a special mindset to be able to think and live like that. Mm-hmm. And it can get lonely out there. And I don't know about you, but especially since I'm at Laurel, it's not her fault. It is, but not really. I haven't been training near as hard as I used to. I, I used to go out and do long range shooting and I was pushing out past 1600 meters. I guarantee you if I go and pick up my rifle, I probably would struggle at 900 right now. Yeah, I probably would too. And the, my throw weight would, I would probably struggle. Yeah. I, he hasn't I been doing not it, even, not because I'm like, you know, making him go to the movies and stuff. I know. It's because we've been homesteading. homesteading yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's a lot of work in it. So, I, yeah. yeah. I used to reload all my own rounds. I, you know, kept a diary with every single round and, you know, your everything. Dope, your, yeah. dope, your dope page, yeah. Everything. Everything. I haven't loaded a single round in over a year. Like, yeah. Well, this is the thing, and and you know this, obviously, mm. personally. Um, things go sideways. The amount of firefights that are going to happen are going to be more or less. So what the dystopian books and the YouTube channels and that think that we are actually going to get into, because we've both been in war zones. Yeah. Um, there's more boredom yep. than there is fights. Now, the fights are intense, mm-hmm. but it's not as much as what you think, you know, the war movies make it to seem to be like every day you're, well, maybe World War Two was different. I mean, obviously D-Day was like constant. I think it was about the same, man. They, you, you look at all this, the stuff back then with the trench, uh, trench art. Yeah. They were sitting in the trenches carving. They had enough time to carve out like True. extravagant. True. Trench okay. Okay. Oh, wait, so wait, wait, physically, wait, 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 wait. I got more. Yeah. I got more. <laughs> Think about it. Every movie you've ever seen, anytime you've ever talked to them, they not only got cigarettes in their MREs, but yeah. they were trading for more. Yes. Now I don't know about you, but I smoked at least a pack and a half, two packs of Ishtars or Uniteds. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if you remember the Uniteds. Those yeah. things are like. 
you know, you, you, how you have normal cigarettes and then yeah. you have the hundreds. Yeah. These are like 250s. <laughs> yeah, they are like over twice the size of a normal cigarette <laughs> and about as big as a cigar. And the filter was half as big as a Marlboro, right? I know. It was half as long. And I, I would smoke like a pack and half of those a day. And if you if you're smoking a pack and a half of those Uniteds a day, you got a lot of extra time to burn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hence why the um um we'll call them hieroglyphs and like uh our fighting positions of <laughs> a lot of uh phallic things in boredom. <laughs> but one things it's a fan that was different, obviously, but it's like you're sitting there with your buddy. Like, oh, this is stupid. <laughs> I think if things go sideways, well, in most wars in history, more people die of contaminated water mm-hmm. than die in battle. Yeah. Well, that's just that everybody's like, we need to have like 40 million rounds of ammo. Uh-huh. And I get that. Don't get me wrong. I want the more the better, especially I'd load it in the back of a Marine NEMRAP mm-hmm. and there's just magazines everywhere and they didn't care. Um, which is funny because they're always like fire discipline. <laughs> it's like if you when they're training, they say fire discipline. Uh-huh. When you're out there in the suck, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lead wall coming your way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, okay, let's wrap it up because I gotta okay. pee really bad. Yeah, let's do this thing. Yep. Okay. So on behalf of Black Cash Podcast. Thank you, Laurel, Matthew, Alex. Or Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great. <laughs> I was waiting for him to say it. You took it up there. Good job, Bubba. Okay. So uh, we'll have you guys back on if you want to. I would love sure. to. This is a good conversation. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're going to get Laurel has a YouTube page. Yeah, it's YouTube. It's um, I'm hard to find. I'm shadow banned. But if you do on YouTube... YouTube.com slash Laurel's channel. No apostrophe. L-A-U-R-E-L-S-C-H-E-N-N-E-L-L. How do I spell channel? There you go. I think <laughs> you got it. YouTube uh, Laurel's channel. Then you'll you'll find it. Okay. No, she, she's got a good series, uh, The Claps. I yes. watched yeah. all that or listened to it when mm-hmm. I was working. Um, and you got more stuff coming out about like current events. I'm working stuff. on a book, but right. I do a show every, I do a live stream every Sunday night. Sunday night. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you just search Laurel and the collapse, it'll pop right up with yep. one okay. of hers. And yep. that's, that's a pretty easy way to find yeah, it. Yeah. That's how I found you. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's just did that. Um, so absolutely. So if you guys want to contact us, um, we are. have to is, contact you. This is, um, Shane's spot where he says every night, um, get all of us. We got Facebook. At Black Cash, at Facebook, whatever. Um, and then we got uh, our email is uh, blackcash at yahoo.com. I'm just not used to doing this. Yeah. This yeah. is Shane's Usually Shane thing. does that. Yeah, I know. He's a tech guy. Well, I figure this stuff out. Well, I miss whatever. Shane being here. He asks all the hard questions. I know. It's just, it's an agree fest here. I know. I know. We're, uh, but we all agree. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I say it's a degree fest. We all just he, take our but heads he does too. I think he likes to throw in like it makes it interesting. It does. So yes, it yeah. makes I, I I like the sparring. I think yeah. it's fun. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. so do I. Yeah, throw in the uh, 
little hooks here and there. Makes it yeah, fun. It does. So. All right, guys. That being said, Black Cash Show.